Welcome to episode 14 of Geek Actually, the podcast about everything and nothing filtered through the geek perspective. I am Dave McVeigh and I'm joined by Dave Longo. How are you, Dave? Hello, sir. Hello. <laughs> it's been a very, very, very... It's been a long three days. Exciting day today. Yes. And it has been a long three days. You're right. Yeah, we, we should stress, we only recorded like three or four days ago. We're also joined in the studio by Jamie Lawrence. Are you feeling better, Jamie? I'm feeling fantastic. Thank you, Tavarish. How are you? Bless <laughs> you. Uh, as people who... I think who, I'm getting something. If people are joining us for the first time, Jamie was supposed to be on last week's show, but he wasn't feeling well. So uh, you are feeling better, I hope? I'm feeling much better, duh. Ah, uh, duh. <laughs> uh, this... Please, please, Jamie, do the entire show like that. I'm doing the entire show in... <laughs> oh, please, mock don't. Please, Russian don't. accents from 1960s, because I'm um, having seen Man from Uncle being, I yes. Think, I think we should all do this. I don't think so. All right, so, so today... We are you do British, Dave? I can't. We've been, Come we've on, worked. Dave. Are you, just are just you, a little yeah. British. Yeah. <laughs> Can we tell the folks what they're in store for? Hello, they're in folks. for a great show. <laughs> a top show, if you ask me. So this week we are going to uh, kick the doors open on some news about uh, Josh Trank and the Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently they're lawyering up yeah. now. So <laughs> he's, he's in a spot of bother. A bit of spot of bother. <laughs> we are going to talk about the very exciting news today, which was, of course, D23 just dropped a whole bunch of Star Wars. Oh, sorry, dropped a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff in our lap. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit more. Jamie will finally give us his opinion on Fantastic Four because he wasn't here for that esteemed show. We did have uh, Nicholas jump in and be a ringer for you, but uh, I'm dying to hear what you've got. He to did say a pretty that. good impression of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are also going to review this week The Man from Uncle, the new Guy Ritchie film based on the 60s TV series. Uh, but that's all a little bit later. I think we'll start this show off a little bit with what we've been watching. What do you think? That gets us started. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. My, 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 my TV makes me so bored, makes me say, oh my lord, what is this garbage here? Wanna cover my eyes and blood? All right. So this is our what we've been watching, reading, viewing, playing section. I always <laughs> wish that I was wearing parachute pants when that music comes on. I know. <laughs> bright yellow ones. Yeah. You can really kind of dance ne with. Next week we can. <laughs> we should all get up and just dance it out. While Next also. week? Surely Dave just has three spare pairs in all his right. closet. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's stop the show. And we're back. We're all wearing up. Um, <laughs> hey. We're all going for us pajamas. It feels pants, very, so very breezy now yeah. all of a sudden. Whew. Whew. All right, so before we hit the uh, before we hit Star Trek, what else have we been watching, reading, playing, doing, experiencing this week? Dave Longo. Oh, I did all of those with Dragon Ball Z, the re the return of Freezer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you went to the cinema to see. We Dragon were Ball almost Z. the only people into it. Into it or there? Oh, uh, well, maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the cinema. Uh, although just as it started, five people came in. Right. right. But uh, look, it's Dragon Ball Z on the big screen. If that's if that's what you're after, it's going to really please. Jamie, are you a <laughs> Dragon Ball Z watcher? I'm not particular. I, I have seen a lot of it because uh, some of the guys in the store are big fans. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have it on the background once in a while. Yeah. But um, honestly, like, how do you compress what's effectively 27 hours of fight scene into an hour and a half movie, Dave? Well, it's an hour and a half fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, Doesn't it feel it's, underwhelming it's, no, when, well, when I mean, you don't like, get the like, third hour in the middle? <laughs> I lo I've, I've loved Dragon Ball Z pretty much my whole life. I mean, I used to collect the trading cards and watch all the episodes and, you know, 
particularly with my brother, it's a thing that him and I sort of share in common. He's a big Dragon Ball Z fan and, you know, and so forth. But um, when they did a movie of it on the big screen, I mean, I couldn't resist just going to see those characters on the big screen. Was it Dolby yeah. level 9000? It was Dolby <laughs> Atmos. No, it wasn't Atmos. But Dave loves Dolby Atmos, don't you, Dave? <laughs> I love Dolby Atmos. I think Dolby, I mean, like, Dolby Atmos, yeah, you mean surround yeah. sound by there's another a, name. There's a, there's a certain feeling you get, though, when you see a Kamehameha on the big screen that you can't really d- describe. Sorry, say that again. What was that? <laughs> Kamehameha! <laughs> uh, and Destructo Disc. Uh, <laughs> Fusion yeah, Heart. You might have guessed at this point that I'm not a huge Dragon no, Ball Z no. fan. Yeah. Look, if anyone's a fan of Dragon Ball Z, they'll know the character Freezer quite well. Freezer was a. Big... That's why I keep my ice creams so there in there. <laughs> Freezer was a villain in one of the earlier seasons of the show, and they basically bring him back to life and they have to fight him. And that's on. the story. Like, there isn't really much else. It's all hijinks and great action on anime level and. It's just really fun and entertaining. It's like, anime level. So basically what you're saying is lots of still images. Yeah, well, it's not the Avengers. Like, you know, like, yeah. Like, this is one of the things about anime that, you, you know. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, Some we, anime I was, is really well animated, but yeah. some anime is cynical. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you know, and so, like, a lot of Dragon Ball Z, this is part of the charm of watching it on the giant screen at, at the local multiplex is that nothing's moving but their mouths for like five minutes at a time and you've paid 20 bucks to watch it you know and it's and it's 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 spectacular you know like that, that there is this song at the end of the in the end credits because they, they do this thing in anime sometimes i i i will profess that i'm not an anime person like, i'm not a huge anime like i'm person. not against i like it. some anime you know, i've seen some either. anime but it just it's past me and there is know, a lot of anime like, i like and there's a whole lot that i don't like so yeah like i'm open to watching it i'm, I'm not like yeah. against anime or anything like that but every time i've seen a dubbed version they tend to translate the lyrics of a of a japanese pop song but yet keep the music and by that sense, you get these really like <laughs> extremely grammatically incorrect but hilarious like songs. And there's this one at the end of the of this movie that was just one of the funniest things I've experienced in my life. Like, fight me not now. Like something like that. Like <laughs> all our base belong to us. Yeah, right? we'll, we'll have to find it and we'll chuck it in at the end of the show or something. <laughs> like, you know, like, Probably not. Was no, it was no. it dubbed or subtitles? It was dubbed. Yeah. Um, you know. But the kind of thing is Dragon Ball Z has had an amazing cast over the years and it's it's kind of feels a bit weird to watch it. Well, one of, one of the fun things about my my Dragon Ball experience, which is limited, but uh, we're watching we're watching sort of a cut of Dragon Ball Z. I can't think what it's called, but they, they basically cut cut it down so that you actually get some plot. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it has both... Super cuts or something. Yeah, something like that. It has both the dubbing and the, the, the subtitles. So you can see that they clearly don't match, and you're like, yes. the translations here must be yeah. astoundingly bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna put it through on this podcast now that if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Z, it's a pretty good chance you'll like this movie. And if you're not, <laughs> and if you're not like these two, uh, then don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I like your thinking, sir. I like your thinking. That's fair. <laughs> I like. Well, did you watch anything else? No, because oh, I watched Man from Uncle. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Man from Uncle. Nothing else. Oh no, I did talk to you about how I watched a, a ninety-minute documentary on the making of This Is Forty. That's true. I want to see yeah. that. Actually, is it's, that on the Blu-ray? It's on the Blu-ray. Yeah, it's a phenomenal documentary. Yeah. Cool. All right, Jamie. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer in the form of a story. Okay. 
I had I sat down and had a conversation long 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 ago with the the owner of Good Games. Uh, like the actual corporation. I was going to say, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no, I, 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 um, he was talking to himself one day. <laughs> I, I'm the franchisee at Hurstville, but, right, but, okay. but I sat down with the actual owner and, and we were talking about TV because we were both sort of out of TV at the time. Nothing had really hit our radars. And he said to me, you know, what's the best TV? What, what is the single best show that you've ever seen? And I said, oh, it's a tough call, but I'd probably go Doctor Who. And, uh, and you know, we sort of talked about that and debated other stuff like DS9 and you know, right, we're, right, we're, right. Both, we're both big geeks. And he said, you know, I, I love all the, the genre stuff, but the best show I've ever seen, the one that I love the most, is called Psych. So I mm. went and I got season one of Psych and checked it out. Psych is a show about a very, very observant guy. He's the, the son of a police officer and he's raised, to, his father raises him specifically to be, you know, like super observant, wants him to go on and become a detective. Instead, he becomes a fake psychic and ends up working for the police department, uh, basically being Sherlock Holmes, but covering it up by by pretending to be psychic. And um, <laughs> I have is, seen part of this show. It yes. is one of the funniest shows that I've ever seen. They they're constantly making so making fun of themselves. They're very aware of of the genre of of crime and mystery, and they're poking fun of it the whole way. And it's clearly written by geeks because they have episodes in Star Trek conventions, in comic book conventions. Uh, There was one that was the entire thing was shot with homages to Alfred Hitchcock films. Um, just really, really fun stuff, and the show is just so funny. So, mm. you know. I watched the first season of Psych and really enjoyed it, but it got lost amongst the millions of other things that I have to watch. Well, I'm in the eighth season now and <laughs> loving it. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a lot of seasons they made. It is. Yeah. It, I think they made nine altogether. Yeah, and, wow. uh, the seasons got shorter though, didn't they? Didn't they start? Didn't, didn't Not they, that I've noticed. They I think they're about like, twenty, about twenty episodes each. I vaguely remember the la- the later seasons only being like thirteen or fourteen episodes. So mm. I don't know. Could be wrong, but you know. Anyway. Yeah, but uh, but just one of the best shows. Uh, it's not on. It's not on Netflix or any of the streaming services that I'm aware of. I think but, if it was on Netflix. I'd be watching it again. Yeah, but it is so worth looking up. Um, and the, the the latest seasons just come out on DVD, which is why I mention it. But uh, that's been taking up some of my viewing time. I'm still working through uh, the Almighty Johnsons, which is an excellent yes. show. Um, and uh, just this week, I caught up, thanks to my children, on uh, Scooby Doo meets Kiss. Hey, hey! <laughs> which was um, surprisingly good. Kiss apparently in their spare time solve mysteries also. Huh? <laughs> when they're not helping Batman, apparently. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, question for you, uh, since this is a what we've been watching section and you weren't here to voice your opinions, we thought we might give this the opportunity for you to also tell us what you thought of Fantastic Four. Look, it was not a bad film. I thought that Fantastic Four, certainly for the first two-thirds of the movie, I was, as a, I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. Like I, I love the Fantastic Four. I've got single issues going back, you know, hundreds of issues of Fantastic Four. And there are elements of the Fantastic Four in that film. It's not a perfect adaptation. It's not by any means everything that I would have asked for. And there are flaws. But it doesn't deserve anything like the caning it's been getting. I agree um, there. I think we're both in agreement there, are we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the look, I think it actually opens up some really interesting issues. And, and I know that. Dave is ready to, to get in and talk about them. But I think, <laughs> oh, I think no. we'll come back to that news. Yeah, there is news about I wouldn't say ready, but no, I, I think, apprehensive. I think a lot of the I think a lot of the fallout and the things that have coming that are coming out of Fantastic Four 
open up some really interesting issues about uh, the role of a director, the role of a studio, and how a film actually gets made. And I think that there's been a lack of education about that, mm. uh, which is becoming now coming to the forefront with everything that's, that's going on. And I really hope that people start to appreciate that there's more in a film than just directorial vision and more than just studio input. Uh, and that the two ideally gel well together, and in this case didn't. Yeah, I think, I mean, in this particular case, which we'll come back to in the news section, I think there's probably even a little bit more than that. But but with any sort of film, I think you always have to come back to what is on screen. Mm-hmm. Forget all the shenanigans behind the scenes. Forget the personalities. Forget everything else. What is on screen? And did that work? Forgetting all of that, you're right. The film isn't the disaster that everybody is. It does not deserve 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not at all. You know, it's like you sit there and look at it and go, it is a below average film compared to some of the other ones that are around. But I've seen far worse films. You far know? worse. Far yeah. worse films. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a massive collector of canon films you know i'm i'm used to yes, <laughs> yeah. i am used to a certain level yeah. of crap but it's <laughs> <laughs> a standard but there is a standard of crap here that we have to deal but it's, with it's not even it's not even i mean you know some films are obviously made without the intention of being hollywood blockbusters mm. uh, and this one you know presumably at some stage it was intended to be a hollywood this was blockbuster. a summer tentpole this is a summer tentpole film they wanted it to make this film if it didn't make you know a couple of hundred million dollars it was a failure and it's not going to make a couple of hundred million dollars and it is, a, it is a failure by Hollywood standards. Mm. But what is on screen is about three quarters of a decent film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The biggest problem with this film is the fact that it was so tinkered with. I don't think that there is a cohesive script by the end of it. And that's the biggest problem with this film is the fact that the ending just falls apart. Agreed. Um, but I th- yeah, I, I really strongly, uh, hold the opinion and one of my friends said the same thing to me you can't make a good fantastic four film until you understand doom mm. and they they are so intent on shoehorning doom into the origin story and on forcing him in as a direct nemesis immediately from the word go that and to somehow tie his powers to the fantastic exactly four. and in doing so they're costing themselves the very center of the fantastic four which is that that unity and family and understanding going forward into a sense of exploration. Mm. You know, like Fantastic Four ticks the same buttons for me as Star Trek. It, it is about exploring the world and, you know, whereas the Avengers sit there trying to defend it, the Fantastic Four are like, hey, we, we've opened a portal to another dimension today. Let's go check it out. Well, let's see what happens. Kids, I think you're, get your I, space helmets. I, I think you <laughs> summed it up right there, though, by saying that, I mean, the, the core of the Fantastic Four has always been about family. Yeah. That's what it's about. Mm. And, I mean... Doctor Doom doesn't have to be the central bad guy every single time yeah. you make a fantastic and if, film. And if you're a girl, you don't get to play with the boys. That was <laughs> that's, look, that's what I took away. Sue's role. <laughs> I actually I was really quite dismayed with Sue's role in the film. Um, the fact that she didn't get to go on the mission mission. Mm. Um, the, the joy ride, yeah. but the fact that she was just painted as such a killjoy throughout it as well. Um, mm. You know, like Sue Storm. Sue Storm is a great character. Sue and- Storm has always had a mothering instinct, and and she's been concerned for what's going on, but she's never been, you know, just naggingly. She's not a wilting wallflower yeah. either. She is a strong character, and I mean, Dave, you. But you- everybody loves music. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> <laughs> music is patterns. Wow, well called. <laughs> well called. <laughs> oh, all right. So you're gonna ask me something? No, I was just. Gonna, I was. I've forgotten what. It I is. think I you've said it all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you summed it up for me. What I've been watching this week is uh, we talked about this a few days ago. Uh, Nicholas and I have been going through all of the viewer skew films. We finally finished all yeah, of the viewer yeah, skew yeah. films, so he is now very well versed in the world of Kevin Smith. Uh, he needs to now watch Zach and Miri and um, what's the other Cop one? Cop Out. No, uh, Jersey, Girl. Jersey Girl. And then he's watched everything that mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Smith has made. Oh, and finished Red State. because I, th- I don't. No, think he, he says he has watched Red oh, State. Oh, he finished so, it? No, he says yeah. he did watch Red State. Mm-hmm. So Red State and Tusky's scene. And there's going to be people out there going, he can't watch Zach and Miri. Yeah. It's rated R. Or you could watch uh, Mayday, <laughs> the crumbling of a documentary. Which I've never seen myself. Yeah, it's it's on available on one of the Blu-rays. Oh, I think it's on the really? Clerks Blu-ray. Ooh. The the 10th anniversary. As much as uh, it's pretty good. It's only like 10 minutes. It's mm. easy. Yeah. As much as as much as you're excited about that other film happening at the end of the year, I've got to say, Yoga Hosers! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for Yoga Hosers. Yeah, <laughs> yoga Hosers won't be till next year now. I though. know. No, I've, been, I've, I've, said, I've, I've said a few times, I think my free films for the year is Crimson Peak, Hateful Eight, and Star Wars. Oh, and Hateful and I, Eight. I'm done. And With Hateful those three, it's like, oh. And Hateful Eight I'm looking forward to just purely because it's going to be the first Tarantino film that will actually have a score, not yes. just a patch together soundtrack. <laughs> I thought for a second you were going to say script. No, no. So first, it's the first Tarantino. Shenanigans. <laughs> Shameful. It's the first Tarantino film that's actually going to, this actually going to be scored from beginning to end, not just a patch together best of album. Mm. But most importantly, it's going to be scored by the legendary Eno Morricone. He's brought him out of retirement. Who? Who's which that? Is amazing. Who's Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Go watch uh, Untouchables. Oh, he's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. He's brilliant. The um, mission. The mission is the, like mission. the best soundtrack no, come on. ever committed. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Good, bad, and the ugly. Good, bad, and the ugly. The mission's um, just. Oh. Also, that bit of the Star Wars film that's really clearly inspired by Inigo Morricone, yeah. Or what about what about the thing? You know the bit I'm talking about. Dun 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 dun. I was thinking about what about the thing? Dum dum. <laughs> frantic uh, man the man is a legend he's been in retirement and this is the year for coaxing people out of retirement I've decided first, it is first you western in 30 years apparently I'm actually I'm, well, you don't count that, true grit no no that he's scoring oh that he's scoring <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really hanging out and waiting to see what happens with uh, Mel Brooks going after Rick Moranis I've, I've actually read a, wait what what's this I don't know Mel Brooks is, uh, is space talking, balls he's talking to Rick Moranis to try and get a space ball sequel really happening. you're kidding yeah. me yeah. and actually there was an interview with Rick Moranis I was reading uh, earlier this week where he was talking about uh, what he's been doing with his life uh, since he retired and mm. what he's he, a musician why right? he doesn't yeah and why he doesn't yeah. come back he's actually just released an album and uh, and was on this show basically to promote his album and he was saying look you know I've sort of left Hollywood behind there was nothing wrong with it you mm. know it was a job that I was doing and I was enjoying it my life changed I had to do something else and now I'm doing something else and you know if something came up in Hollywood I wouldn't say no but yeah, I'm not yeah. actively chasing it down I think I was reading about because um, I listened to him a couple of years ago on, a, on the Nerdist podcast yeah yeah where he talked about his music but like um, I think I was reading that they approached him for something recently that he turned down it wasn't Spaceballs. I'll look it up while you, while you guys... Uh, the other one that's yeah. being... Because we talked about last episode, which was um, Spielberg's trying to coax Gene Wilder out of retirement. And there was one other one that we heard about recently as well. Anyway, so yeah, it seems to be the year of trying to get people out of retirement to come back one more time. You know? <laughs> so it's always very interesting to see... The, oh, I'm... Uh, no, I take it. Oh, yeah, Drew, Drew Struzan just came out of retirement. Yeah, um, we're going yeah, yeah. to come back to that in a second because that's actually in the news. Yeah, it was for Ant-Man. 
Uh, the, uh, Peyton Reed wanted him to be an Ant-Man for some Right. Time. I remember right. reading this. I'll, hmm. I'll, I'm just reading it now. Well, he didn't have anything invested in that, but he make it. Yeah, because of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and all oh, that stuff. Of they wanted his oh, right. clever. Yeah, yeah. Clever, yeah. clever, clever, clever. All right. Uh, we also watched uh, the other thing I want to mention this week is I rewatched Mission Impossible 1 because Nicholas went to see Mission Impossible 5. And uh, yeah, I really like Mission Impossible 1. Yeah, I really like it too. I'm actually looking forward to sitting down with my son and watching it because I think. Nicholas wasn't overly impressed with it. Well, he's not eight, so I think my son might, might yeah, take to it a little bit more. Whereas, whereas <laughs> Nicholas was like, no, because 5 is so good. You know, he really, really mm. liked the latest one and I can understand that going back and watching his his, it was amazing because his reaction to Mission Impossible 1 was it feels really dated (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting he goes it feels like a 60s show (laughs) well my uh, so my son Avery we we sat down a little while ago he was curious about James Bond and so um, I sat down and and we watched uh, Live and Let Die Uh, Live and Let Die yeah yeah. (laughs) fantastic soundtrack um, and and Roger Moore as a as a Bond, I think he's really he's he kid, was actually, he's kid friendly. He was actually my Bond, so yeah. See, the first Bond I watched was a Roger Moore, so mm-hmm. it's I think the first Bond you watch is your Bond. Yeah, absolutely. So. Much as much as I love Sean Connery, I think he's a bit too slow for my for an eight year old to I watch. Agree. Um, and you know the, the 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 films themselves don't have any particularly over the top violence or yeah, anything, yeah. but. I wanted him to really enjoy his first Bond, and I, you know, live and let die. You know, Roger running over crocodiles. Yeah. You got car chases, boat chases. You know, and whisper, dude with a with a hook for a hand, and yeah, Ursula, not Ursula Andress. Um, no, I was thinking whisper, the guy that got inflated. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but no, it had Jane sorry, Seymour. I, it had, it had Jane Seymour. Sorry, solitaire. Solitaire. Yeah, yeah so, so, my so first that crush. was really cool. <laughs> so that was really cool, and then yeah, when I came to, with you to see uh, Mission Impossible, 5, I was like, you know, the first Mission Impossible, you know, apart from poor old Amelia Estevez, I think could be pretty decent fare. He may find it a bit confusing though, because that, that's the one criticism of the first Mission Impossible. It's really convoluted plot. Wow. Yeah. So, um, well, you might want to just start him on number three. Yeah, could go. Sorry. He's got a lot of a lot of action in it, so um, so that could be good too. Uh, I was going to say something about uh, no, no, it's gone out of my head. It might come back. It might come back. It might come back. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It might come back. <laughs> but while I'm waiting, baby, for it come to, back. While I'm waiting for it to come back, let's. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, live and let die. Uh, I was listening to a musician friend of mine the other day, and I just thought I'd share this with you because I thought it was one of the most wonderful things he ever said. He goes. That Paul McCartney, he goes, he's such an amazing songwriter and such an amazing musician that he can take two different songs and go, ah, stuff it. Let's just mash them together. <laughs> Why does it matter because, to you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you look at the Live and Die, it is two separate songs that <laughs> don't sure. match yeah, each yeah. other at all. Just mashed together. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Reggae and hard rock, yeah. it's great. <laughs> it's like did, did Mc- only he could get away with this yeah. song. All right, let's talk Leonard about and McCartney used to do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they'd talk- write half a song each and smash them together. Smash them together. <laughs> no, they would. They really would. Yeah. Hey, do you guys yeah. hear that? Do you know what time it is? Is it? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
Nicely done, uh, people. Team trick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is time for our Dave Longo's trip through Star Trek. We are on to season two, Deep Space Nine. Oh and shit! I thought this was Voyager. <laughs> Star- <laughs> and Star Trek Nine Insurrection. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let's start with Deep Space Nine. Let's not belabor this point, but let's go. <laughs> Season 2, Deep Space Nine, Dave, fill us in. Oh, how are we going to do this seven times? Deep Space Nine is the best show Excellent. ever Done. made. Let's move yeah, on. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's move on to the movie. But what uh, about Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's inaccurate. There's at least two bad episodes of Deep Space Nine. Therefore, it's not a perfect show. <laughs> let's talk. Let's, let's let's. I mean, we can go through superlatives and we can talk yeah. about how wonderful the show is. Let's talk about some key episodes yes. that just really summed up season two. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think it is. Well, we've got the the siege. Well, there's a, there's a whole bunch, but for me personally, the the entire season was building up to the last episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to come back to it at that point because I think the Gem Hadar episode twenty two. I think so. It, it certainly is the Jem Hadar, though. Yeah, it is the episode that changed the face of Deep Space Nine. Victory is life. <laughs> but you've got some others that you want to talk about. Sorry, I think my chair's just broken. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I'm... Did you just break a studio chair? Oh, jeez. <laughs> you can't take you anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, we we want, want some help with, with your chair. The... I might stand. Is it's, that making, okay? it's, <laughs> it's making gripping radio. It really is. <laughs> um, you guys go through this. I'll fix my chair. <laughs> <laughs> you guys go through this. This it's is your, your journey your... for Star Trek. It's your journey. Oh, you know what I love? I'm gonna I'm gonna sum up this season. Actually, you sum it up for the us. The best thing about this season, in two words, mirror universe. Oh well, yes. When we bring the mirror universe back, do you know what I love about mirror universe episodes? Apparently, semi naked Kira. Well, there's that. <laughs> but I was say, apparently, to be in the mirror universe, you just got to grow a beard. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Kira. <laughs> Apart from Kira. <laughs> I actually, I really loved that was that was all dressed up like a whore in case it didn't come through. Um, Dave's over there doing hard mechanics on his chair. I don't know what he's doing. So, sorry, we're not trying to fall apart on radio here. It's just happening. <laughs> so, um, I forgot the bridge. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, um, down and dirty Cisco, who's who's a criminal and uh, and sort of a ruffian, almost sort of solo esque. Yeah. Um, really cool. Uh, bondage Kira. Uh, just Bondage Kira is always good. Yeah, look, even beyond the the you know she gets to play sexy uh, thing, she actually made a really menacing villain. Mm. You know, it's like like she's got acting chops. Now I'm confused. He's standing up. He's coming back. He's fixed his chair and he's got lip gloss in his hand. What were it's, you doing? It's not, back there? it's not fixed. What were you doing? <laughs> Sorry, back I was. There? <laughs> he glued it back together with lip gloss. It's, it's lip balm. <laughs> lip balm is what it is. I was holding it so I don't go and have a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't smoke. 
Because <laughs> smoking's bad. <laughs> no, <it's> just, <laughs> that was Mirror Universe me. Yeah. This, is, this is going to the This dogs. was horrible. <laughs> this, this is horrible. Mirror Universe, you was cleanly shaven, right? I bet you this is going to be the most <laughs> talked about episode of Geek, actually. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Mirror Universe and uh, Bondage Kira. Yes. No, um, I love the Mirror Universe episodes. I think that it, they didn't do a bad one the whole run of Deep Space. No, not at all. Actually, uh, I, the, my favorite one is later on in the in the show when the Ferengi have to go in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of the Ferengi, but, you yes. also get rules of acquisition yes. in this season. Any Ferengi episode uh, is a good episode. Quite frankly, anything with the, with um, which Wallace is something Shawn you don't, playing somebody the Grand who, Nagus. Somebody who's ever watched Next Generation. Those are not words that you thought you'd ever hear. No. Which is that any Ferengi episode is a good episode. Absolutely. <laughs> but but um, as yes. rule of acquisition number 213 tells us, win, lose, or draw, there's always Hyperion Beetle Snuff. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, um, Wallace Shawn, um, who people... Inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> it's, it's not the way, Quark. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Quark. Get, get your clothes off. <laughs> yeah, the the Grand Negus is just genius. Everything about it is awesome. Um, we also wanted to talk about the the episodes, uh, the siege. Um, you wanted to talk about the episode, the siege. Tell me about it. It's the first. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy after fixing his chair. Sorry, man. I'm still thinking about how, how uncomfortable I'm feeling in this chair. Because um, it's not fixed. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, let's talk about just, the collaborator. Just, just, just clench your sphincter and get on with okay. it, all right? We're season two of Deep Space Nine. I remember enjoying it at the time, but there's not that many in the episode list on Wikipedia here that I can recall straight off the top of my head. Well, in fairness, like, you um, have just watched, what, like 400 episodes straight. So, yeah, you know. in a row. But I remember it just sort of... Was, it was a more quiet season uh, based on reading all these plot lines here is like you know it's just started to build up the world and build up the planets around them it, it has it doesn't get into the dominion until the next season well I was about to say that's so, why well, so well let's, let's, cut the, let's cut it, to the yeah, chase I, I just wanted to mention how it does start to introduce elements like there are other changelings and there is a potential that Odo may learn more about his past um, you also get the Jem'Hadar which you guys talked about just we haven't before. talked about it yet so we're about no? to say yeah. The last episode of this season is basically Cisco and his kid go on a, on a camping trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and on itself, you sit there and go, well, what the hell's going on here? But they get captured and we introduce the Gem Hadar, which is going to be a fairly big, I would say it's, it's a, a small, just uh, a tiny, just a tiny little impact on the station. For seasons to come, a race so militant that they put the Klingons to shame. Yes. I mean, <laughs> this this is what the Jem'Hadar were introduced to be. They are the Klingon killers. I mean, this it's amazing. Can it, I t- can I tell you? I've, I've told it's a this, Trek revelation. I have told this story before. I don't know if I've told it on air or not. So we'll tell it again, just in case. If I've told it before, well, it's my show, so stuff you. <laughs> I went to a Star Trek convention in. Uh, a, Whenever this was, so many good stories start that way. 1994. <laughs> we could probably get the near near, near to the day. Uh, yeah, probably pretty close actually. Uh, it was in. Ni- I think it was actually because it was Australia. We were behind. I think. Oh, it was, okay, I think so it was, 1997. It was probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was about 2010. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think it was 94. You know, because I went to America in 95. So yeah, it would have been probably 94. Anyway, I went to the. I was- tra- Five. <laughs> I went to a tra- I went to this Trek convention in Melbourne, and uh, they had brought with them episodes from Trek, uh, and of course because they were coming from the states, all this stuff was way new to us. We didn't know any of this stuff. I think at the time Australian television was still halfway through season one or something mm. like that, and so here we are, a room full of full of Trek nerds, uh, and we're sitting there, and there's a big screen in front of us, and he actually said. 
we were going to present um, this episode of Deep Space Nine today, but we've actually just learned that you guys are so far behind. Do you want us to do that? Because there are some pretty major spoilers in here. And you hear all the Trekkies go, yeah, yeah, of course we want to say it. Of course we want to say it. And they showed us the Jem'Hadar. They showed us that episode. You have never heard a room full of about 600 Trekkies lose their shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like in a good way? Oh, yeah. yeah it yeah, was yeah. amazing. Because yeah. we're all watching it. They're on their camping trip and blah. And then the gem had... And it's like everybody... And then at the, at the end of that episode with, you know, basically we're going to war on this. The Trekkies are like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got a story for the inverse of that. I wasn't working when You I heard a whole bunch of Trekkies happened. go like this. No. <laughs> a whole bunch of Star Wars nerds go berserk. Right. I wasn't there to experience it, but I went to work like the day after which was the the midnight screening of revenge of the sith at the cinema i used to work at did the midnight screening right and what they did was this was back when you had to put the reels together they put the very last reel which is the whole lava planet sequence at the real beginning it was about the third reel into the movie at the midnight screening and it it went apparently like 20 minutes into the movie it went into the final final scenes of this revenge of the sith oh no this is the midnight screening, and apparently it was like like a riot near, near <laughs> happened. And how it was related to me was that the projectionist ran into the room, and the film runs on a giant and everybody's giant pallet. <laughs> it all runs on a giant pallet, and they built up uh, I think four reels, four versions of the movie that already built for the next the next day to run in all the cinemas. And the, as it was related to me was they went into that room and just slid it off the pallet onto the floor. And then put the new one on really quickly. But the kind of thing is when you throw a film onto the floor. It's ruined. It's basically ruined. Yeah. 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 And these are rented. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was just an anecdote. Since, everyone, since everyone's doing anecdotes, yeah. here's, here's mine. I was working at uh, Maya in Sydney City, uh, which was called Grace Brothers back then, mm-hmm. uh, when The Phantom Menace came out on DVD. Yeah. Can I just add quickly to my story? Sorry, Jamie, that... I did go to a midnight screening, but not the one I worked at. That's why I wasn't <laughs> For there. Revenge yeah. of the Sith, I went yeah. to a midnight screening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, just Star Wars cred. That, that's that's sorry. that's cool. I like it. So so the day. Right, one more thing. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. Yeah. <laughs> so the, so the day Phantom Menace came out on DVD, uh, I wore a Jedi robe to work, and uh, and took a lightsaber, and I had organised because I worked in the toy department, I should say. Uh, I'd organized that I was going to basically stand at the front of the DVD department, which was next to the toy department, and sell copies of, of The Phantom Menace <laughs> dressed as a Jedi. And um, and I did, and it was awesome. And that's did, you sell <laughs> did you sell a lot? Oh, God. We went through boxes and boxes and boxes of it. Yeah. What was actually the best fun was by about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, because I've been there since 10 in the morning, I was feeling a bit like, you know... I'm a goose in a suit. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, like th- these things would have sold without me here. And then I had these three guys walk in wearing Jedi robes. And they were all out wandering around the city that day. <laughs> They'd been to Galaxy Bookshop or something because, because of the release of the DVD. Mm. And there, there was other stuff happening around town, you know, to celebrate Star Wars. And these guys came in and they were just like, oh, dude, you got a Jedi robe. You're the most awesome dude. And, you know, it was great. But um, and then you killed them <laughs> <laughs> because I was actually Sith in disguise. No, because he actually had a lightsaber. <laughs> and then you, it came time to you at the end of the shift to buy your DVD, but you sold them all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just want to watch the deleted scene where they where they rise from. It's the funny water where life and they get off. They get out of the Naboo ship. And- 
<laughs> it's funny where life takes you. You know, you you start off mm. working in a, a game store out of out of school, and then you move into working in a toy department. And then you're a Jedi through university, and then you're a Jedi, and then you own a game store yeah. <laughs> using your Jedi powers. <laughs> and what game store would that be? Good games, Hurstville in nicely Hurstville. Nicely done, sir. Nicely done. <laughs> back back to the other Star Trek. Yeah, the other, <laughs> yeah. Well, the other star thing. The yeah. other star thing. Yeah. Star. Yeah. What is it? What are we calling it today? Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Star Trek. It is Star Trek. Star Trek. So we should also talk. So Deep Space Nine season two, good. Deep Space Nine season two, good. So we should also talk a little bit about this one. So we are up to Star Trek Insurrection. Helm, engage strings. <laughs> I want to know how they're blowing woodwind instruments in space. But anyway, that's, that's what's happening. Uh, Star Trek Insurrection, probably the most derided Star Trek film mm. of them all. Not because it's bad, not because it's good, because it's this a criticism leveled against it, which any Star Trek fan in their right mind goes... Just their blood boils when like, they well, hear it. But they all they, they tend to go, how's that a criticism? Yeah. <laughs> Where people say... It would have been a really good episode of the show, but it doesn't make a great film. And you sit there and go, but we like the show, so why is that a bad thing? <laughs> it's such a good film. It is it's such a good film. Yeah, I, and I'm yeah. speaking not just as a Trek fan. It's actually a really beautifully made film. It is. And yeah. It's a really beautiful story, too. Mm. I love Insurrection. Absolutely a- love Insurrection. It's, it's the one out of, um, out of all the next-gen films, maybe even out of all the films. It is my favorite Star Trek I, film. That I'll probably return to the most. Yeah. I know it's not Wrath of Khan, but it is my favorite Star yeah. Trek. I have film. returned to Wrath of yeah. Khan. It, more it, it than is. Any other it film. is the most Star Trek that the movies have been. Yep, and that's why I absolutely adore it. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen it before, the story basically revolves around the Enterprise dealing with one race trying to remove another race mm. from a planet. Um, because the planet is in an area of space which has a high concentration of some element that the Federation doesn't actually need. Because it's kind of illegal, but this race wants. And, Correct. And they teamed up Ad- with an evil An evil admiral. admiral. Yeah. <laughs> yes, F. Murray Abraham. And F. Murray Abraham giving a great performance. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a few twists and turns in there, and we learn a little bit more about it and so forth. Yeah. But I think it would be fair and, to and say that... it's also that, the one that, that balances the crew out the best. Yes. That everybody gets a really good moment. And because the, the script does a thing where they pair them off. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it makes a lot of sense. And Worf goes through puberty. <laughs> yes, which definitely is definitely feeling aggressive yeah, yeah, tendencies, yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what you were going to say, Dave? No, I was going to say he goes through puberty, which is awesome. No, before that. Um, oh, I was about to say this is the Fountain of Youth film that yes. uh, Pirates of the Caribbean wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And this is also the film written by Michael Piller, and um, and it's tumultuous how uh, the script writing process. And the the thing is, uh, I just want to talk about an unpublished book that he wrote before he died. 
which is called Fade In. Mm. And you can find this on websites. I don't know yeah, if you I've guys read have it. heard of it. It's a phenomenal book. Mm, really, really, uh, really insightful. If you're a fan of filmmaking and behind the scenes stuff and you're a fan of Star Trek, you'll you will devour this book in like two days. Mm. And they never released it because of like the well legal consequences too. Yeah, so. exactly. Because it's really damning. Uh, it, it like has transcripts of emails, transcripts of phone conversations. Mm. His like, wife uh, released it though, didn't she? Yeah, she released it after publishers wouldn't publish Touch it. it yeah. After Paramount wouldn't let it happen, she put it out for free. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Michael Pill is dead. Yes. And um, yeah. so she released this basically because she felt the story had to be told. And the kind of thing is like Pillar talks about how difficult it is to write a movie on this scale, how many people go into making a movie this size. Kind of ties into what Jamie was saying earlier about how um, people aren't that educated on the behind the scenes process of movie making uh, to how many people go in. It's This movie is directed by Jonathan Frakes, but it's not necessarily all on his shoulders, mm. you know. So it goes through all the different iterations. You see about five different treatments that are just photocopied for for real, the full treatment just there. You see what it started off as being and what it evolved into. And um, I'm of the view that the movie that came out was the very best movie that Insurrection could have been, that they had to write these five treatments to get to what Mm -hmm. they got to. And uh, I think Pillar even feels the same way. Um, so it's and the kind of thing is like Michael Pillar is such an important figure in Star Trek that him writing this movie you know it makes a lot of sense that this is the most Star Trek movie because this is the guy that revitalized the next gen he was essentially the showrunner of the next gen and he was a co-creator of Deep Space this is the guy that like um, when the next gen was failing he put out a call to take unsolicited screenplays and so many of those unsolicited screenplays were written by people like Ronald D. Moore who at the time was a post office delivery man, who then went on to do some of the best episodes, pretty much define the Klingon backstory. And then to go on and create Battlestar yeah. after that. And, so, you know, and the- Battlestar. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> and he was the one that wrote mo- most of the great episodes in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Pillar. Pillar he, co- he co wrote First Contact, too. Didn't yeah. He? With yeah. Brandon Braga yeah. and um, Generations. Hmm. Also, Dave, do your boobs feel perky? <laughs> they, they are. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah cuz that's one of the ideas they had was uh, like they wanted to change things up and that they gave them the opportunity to do the puberty storyline where everybody goes there and gets affected in odd ways. They get youth. They get youthed. Yeah. yeah. I really I really like the um the counterpoint. And Picard gets little sprouts of sprouts of hair and and starts yeah. to dance in Latin. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. good. Yeah. But I really like the way that Data forms a counterpoint to all that and yes. it, yeah. he kind of gets to go back to his roots of not understanding humanity in yeah. that because he doesn't understand puberty and he's never yeah. seen it before. Yeah. 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 And Data and the little boy is great. Because Wesley doesn't count. He yeah. didn't actually go through it. What Wesley? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wesley was just a dick. <laughs> yeah. He can travel off to go get effed. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a dick and we all know that penis <laughs> is evil. So there you go. <laughs> but we should talk more about Insurrection's... Um, Action and cinematography, like it's it's a beautiful phenomenal. looking film. Mm. I mean, it, it also I have to say that uh, Jonathan Frakes actually, there was an article when they were going into production, and to put it into context, they couldn't get ILM um, mm. because ILM was doing a little film called Star Wars, oh, yeah. and <laughs> and so basically uh, ILM said we can give you our B team. Uh, because our A team is working on Star Wars, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Frakes felt that 
we didn't want a B team. We wanted an A team. So he actually went to a different effects company. Mm. So he got an A team from an unknown effects company, basically. And the effects are sensational. Yeah. I mean, they oh, are they just stunning. They're just they're, they're the best of the four films. And still hold up today. Yeah. 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 The, the, the yeah stuff I watched it for the first time this year. And yeah, it was. Yeah, the, briar, the briar patch stuff yeah. with, the, with the starships in it and stuff is mm-hmm. as good as mm-hmm. anything ILM yeah. is going to produce. And Picard gets a great love interest in this one, too. She's and phenomenal. Who's the yeah. actress? She was uh, Dr. Octopus's wife. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look at it. I think she was Dr. Octopus's wife in, Star- in Spider-Man 2. I remember seeing Spider-Man 2 and think- thinking to myself, you're cheating on Picard. <laughs> 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 I think that's that's one of the things that the show would do like with Vash. Yeah. With, with, sorry, would you say it again? <laughs> Vash. 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 <laughs> yeah, I know, right? As I said it out loud, I thought Dave was going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try and let that one slip. Oh. <laughs> I fucked up my <laughs> let's let's start it again. So Picard wanted a with, bit of edge with Vag and, and Vash. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they they would do like he'd have a love interest every season, kind of thing. Yeah. like they would pop up every now and then. Vash and uh, showed up a few times, mm-hmm. even in Deep Space Nine. She showed up in, kind of inexplicably. Because um, she was popular. Yeah, because people liked her, I suppose. And uh, you know, and so this kind of does feel like a, a love interest of the week. Kind of thing, which maybe is why people think it feels a lot like an episode of the show. But maybe There's a little, little bit- action, like it makes up for it in the last twenty minutes. But for the most part, it's pretty much like a. It's a character. It's like a Holocaust film, you know. Like like it, it's a it's an odd way to. Talk, I'm about to say to that's. Think, a, can you clarify that? Yeah, because it's it's like the Exodus. It's like they need because yes. because the they want the land and they want to remove all the people violently from the land. And Picard and them have to go in and and. Give the people exodus. So what and, you're saying is that Picard you know, is like there's Moses. literally there's a yeah it really is like that. Like there are a lot of scenes in the movie where it's we need to move these people to a safer place. They hide them in caves. You know, like, just just to go know. back to the love interest and thing. they're scared children and you know one of the things that that really appealed to me about the love interest in this film is that whereas Vash was sort of exciting and happening and you know an active character. Mm. This actually felt like Picard meeting someone who was like him. Yeah, uh, you know she's she's about the same age. She's um, got the same interest in a broader humanity mm. and and in and in what makes us human and all that sort of stuff uh, that he does. And it actually felt like a meeting of equals in a way. Uh, and you could see that that it would blossom and go further. Mm. Whereas, yeah, your your love interest of the week thing, you, you don't really get that. You know from. Dr. Leah Brahms getting angry at Geordie that yeah, exactly. he made a, she made, he made a hologram <laughs> yeah, yeah, of her, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some cool hologram stuff in this movie too, actually. Mm. Like uh, how they... The, they, the hollow they, ship is really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, and like Data going underwater yes. is a great scene. Yes, uh, and very clever at the end. You know, yeah. that's, what, that's kind of what I mean. Everybody has their moment and their thing you know, that's going on. Geordie with the eyes, mm-hmm. being able to be given the gift of seeing. And, and it really plays to the character of all of them. Whereas the other three films that they made don't at all. Well, especially, at all. especially like Nemesis. Nil. I mean, Nemesis like, just drops like, the ball completely. You know, yeah. Well, well, we'll come back to that next Nemesis week. Nemesis is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, we can't bury that lead hard enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We should just not talk about it as if it never happened. We should just move straight into Abrams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but um, but I know I love this one because it's it's the characters that I knew. Mm. Yeah. And it's them on screen and, and fuck the rest. You know what, Jonathan? You know, like, well, I don't. I don't mean like um, the ones before. I mean Nemesis. Mm. Yeah. Like Jonathan, the, re- the rest of their movies are coming. I mean, Jonathan Frakes 
uh, he he's often gotten a bad rap um, as a director and as an actor. Yeah, and and Riker is not my favorite character. I will mm. I will agree, but um, I think of anyone that you could have given Star Trek to as a as a film, he had some direct he had some directorial experience. You mm. know, and he directed a lot of episodes of Next yeah. Gen by that stage. And so. and where were we going to find somebody who actually was as invested in Star Trek as he was mm. at that point in time? You know, he was a good choice yeah. and he did he did make a really good Star Trek. Yeah. And I remember like hearing something about Nemesis. We'll get to it again next week, but like there was something there in the in the behind the scenes of Nemesis that they that he just was not asked to come back for inexplicable reasons. Mm. Like the insurrection was financially you know, it was successful. Like it, it wasn't it, as successful as they wanted it to be. It wasn't as as successful as they wanted it to be, but it yeah. still made a lot of money for them. And uh, like the kind of suggestion is that they wanted somebody with more action orientated experience to come and make an action movie, so they didn't ask him to come back. So they got the lowest hack director, action director they could find. Yeah, we'll talk more about that yes. next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but Michael only, Bay yeah. made Nemesis. <laughs> but I only bring it up because I, I really do think like, a lot of people say Jonathan Frakes is this journeyman, you know, this hack director or whatever. But I think he's really talented and like I, I think he was very I talented. Think he, he made he made two films that that were I haven't seen them so I can't really We're say We're trying to clock stoppers. I've seen clock stoppers. And, um, Thunderpants or Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. I've seen clock stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> clock stoppers is actually a really good kids film. Yeah, right. You yeah. know like Thunderbirds it, and that's was disappointing. That's that's the tone to, that he to was... be honest with you guys. I only heard about these movies like this year, yeah. so I haven't I haven't like been avoiding them. Well, no, clock clock stoppers is a lot of fun. It's yeah. it's about Kid spies who can stop time, more or less, okay. and yeah. it hit nails exactly that genre on the head perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> well, yes. and, and with uh, Thunderbirds, you're basically coming from Jerry Anderson's TV mm. series, making a live action version yeah. of a puppet show, mm. and the visual effects were good, but the film just missed the tone completely of the series. And from, from my understanding, he's like a really successful TV director, though he's done he like a lot of episodes of TV. Episodes yes. of TV yeah. like, but so does Lavar like, Burton. Yeah. So does I mean a whole bunch of them yeah. are still directing. You know, they're mm-hmm. all directing. I mean, Lavar Burton. Well, and as you go through Star Trek, you will constantly see the names popping up as directorial credits through Voyager, Enterprise. Mm. Yes. What's your name? Mm. Uh, actually, just uh, Alana Torres, uh, Roxanne. Roxanne Dawson. Roxanne Dawson directs tons. Of oh, stuff. really? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wait till you get further into Voyager. She directs yeah. so many episodes yeah. of Voyager. Apparently, I just, I just actually watched an episode where Riker was in it. Yeah, uh, it was with oh. Q. It was the first Q episode of Voyager, yeah. and Riker appeared. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she also directs a whole bunch of Enterprise. Apparently. Uh, being a chick in Hollywood with the last name Dawson makes you both hot and talented. <laughs> I think what we should do then when we finish the movies, we should then go on to what the cast and crew have done. Yeah, Since. we could do Leonard Nimoy did Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, and that'd, be, that'd be interesting, yeah. Like every week we'll just sort of do like what did the cast and crew of the next gen go on to do? Dude, what did the cast and crew of well, Voyager not, do? Not just that, we should also talk a little bit more about Nicholas Mayer, the guy who directed Star Trek 2 and 4. Six, mm-hmm. he's got some really interesting films under his belt. Some really good films under his belt. Things like Time After Time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The man was a very talented director, so we should definitely have a look more at his stuff as well. So yeah, we got lots to go. There's still a lot of Star Trek television to go, so we got to fill in the movie section of it somehow. So we will find ways to fill that in. There is no doubt in my mind. We still have seven seasons of Voyager. Four seasons, four, of four seasons of Enterprise, and we have five more seasons. Five more Space five more So we, we got enough. We got enough gas in the tank for now. We got a lot of gas in the tank, and we've got a lot of episodes to go. So let's move on. Though we got a little bit of news. So uh, we used to play this. So let's play this now. 
There used to be a fade off on this. <laughs> yeah, I'll fade my, I'll do my own fade off. There maybe, we go. maybe if you stop dancing and use the fader. <laughs> no, I, I thought I had a pre made fade one. <laughs> anyway, doesn't matter. All right, so let's talk a little bit about film news at the moment because today we woke up to all sorts of exciting news. Uh, D3, D23 is going on. It's really confusing for me because in the store we talk about D20s all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Why right, is so- it called D23? There's 23 of them before? No, but like last last, last year it was 23 as well. And it, like, it's, it's always 23, isn't it? Is it some sort of code? Maybe yeah, it's code. I don't know. I don't know. Go but, to Disneyland and see if they ever call out a, co- a code 23. Is it every year or is it every two years or something like that? I thought the, I thought the, D, the Disney celebration was not every year. I can't remember now. Mm. I don't know. We need Richard here. Richard's yeah, Disney's he would, Disney he slut. Yeah. You know, he, will, he will do it. <laughs> <laughs> Voice mail us. Hi, Richard. <laughs> no, he can self-confess. Self-confess. We, says, we could Google. He's Disney's bitch, you know? Oh, he's a massive Disney Yeah, fan. he's massive. Yeah. He'd know Rightfully all about so, this. Yeah. Anyway, but the problem, the point is this year. Hello, just threw a Whoa, pen across the we're room. We're all breaking <laughs> shit. Just threw a pen across the room. All right. Uh, see, I've got to stop waving my pen around. Uh, this I year, out. Can I smash something? This year, of course, was all about what, Dave? Star Wars. You know, I have waited seven years for a reason to play this song. Yeah. This show. <laughs> I'm this still not sure you found reason. one. I love the Ewok celebration. And do you know, on all current versions of the soundtrack to Return of the Jedi, it's been removed. Really? Yes. Yep. Wow. Because of them removing it from the film, People it's no hate longer on the, the soundtrack. Ewoks that much. No, no, no. The studio hates the Ewoks that much. I don't think there's a. I don't think many Star Wars fans. Considering they made two more movies out of them. I know, and this track I adore. I just adore this. It's so much fun. Caravan of Courage. And it actually gave Return of the Jedi this sense of joy at the end of Jedi. And they replaced it with that really morose, sincere piece of orchestral music. The Empire has fallen. It's like, have fun with it, dude. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, we've waited seven years to play the Ewok celebration. So. What was released today, Dave? Well, <laughs> Colin Trevera is directing episode nine. That's, yeah. the, first, that's the first one, I guess. Which yeah. I'm, I think it's a great choice personally. So Jurassic, me, Jurassic, Star Jurassic, Star, <laughs> Jurassic Star Wars, Jurassic Star Jurassic Star Wars world. That's exactly what he's gonna do. Yeah, the, <laughs> the dinosaurs awaken. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you imagine a T Rex with the force? <laughs> Come on, we oh, all know, we all we, know it's going to be. We're forgetting his first film. It's going to be time traveling T Rexes. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we all know it's going to be called Star Wars. It wouldn't matter that it had little useless hands anymore because it could just levitate you to its mouth. Oh my god! <laughs> no, there has been dinosaurs in Star Wars before, though. Remember Obi Wan rode one in um in a uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, he did do yeah, Rogue yeah, One yeah, yeah, when he was true, fighting yeah, yeah. Uh, General Grievous. Yeah, yeah. You're saying Obi Wan? I'm going. Alec Guinness never rode. <laughs> 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 I'm not doing that, George. <laughs> uh, I've done so much, but I'm not doing that. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would be in a Star Wars. Thing. All right, so we've got we've okay. got we've got the Kevin, first thing. Colin Trevorrow announced as the director of Star Wars Nine. So we now have directors for all of the all saga three. films. So to we sum also, it up, we've got J.J. Abrams. We know all about that one. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got um, Ryan, Ryan Johnson, Johnson doing number eight, mm-hmm. and now Colin Trevorrow doing number nine. All right, what else got announced? We got the. Oh, should we leave that to last? Leave that to last. Yeah, dude. Leave, uh, it to last. leave it to last. We got Rogue One. We got a uh, we got a photo of the cast. We got a ghost, and, and it's got Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones. I'm very happy. This is an interesting thing too. Felicity Jones up front and center in Rogue One. Uh, Daisy Ridley up front and center in yes. Force Awakens, and um, also uh, a diverse multicultural cast for both films. So. Yeah. Fucking a, if you ask me. Like <laughs> Disney to be, to be really Australian look, about it. That that uh, that's unbelievable. It's awesome. Well, look, Disney know and Disney know what they're doing, and yeah. it's filtering down through the whole company. Um, we've seen in the recent years the prol- proliferation of strong women in Marvel. In mm. fact, virtually every Marvel superhero is now a woman. Yeah. Um, you know, we're getting multicultural with with things like Miss Marvel as well. Uh, it's it's definitely on their agenda, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and it's just great. It's successful. It's yeah. great. And yeah. it, it doesn't look like it's forced in or shoehorned. No, in. they're just no. other people. It's just yeah. they're just other people. They're it's people. Amazing. Yeah. So it's Tom. So <laughs> sorry, excuse me. <laughs> so Rogue One uh, is looking very exciting. What I was really kind of hoping for was remember the leaked trailer that they had for Rogue One. I was hoping for a high resolution version of that to come out. Oh yeah. Give us a little bit more. They but were they very didn't. low key with Star Wars, uh, oddly. This year. Well, they've announced so much, but yet so little. It's really like quite... they're really. It's like the, what was released has been real. Like especially the last thing we'll talk about. It's been the only people that are really caring about it is geeks. Really hardcore geeks. Really hardcore geeks. Let's talk like, about it. We need to talk about this. Let's talk about it. Okay. We last week. The reason why we need this to talk is about something this phenomenal. The last reason we have to talk about this is because last week we talked about this and we said, "Why hasn't it come out yet?" Yeah. Well, boom! It's like a, yeah. it's like a, it's like they just slam the mic down and think. Not well, only D- Dave and I, and I'm sure Jamie, you're the same. Like huge film poster buffs. Yeah. Oh. And, and so not know. only did we finally get the Star Wars Force Awakens poster, but just as Dave speculated last week, they did drag Drew Struzan out of retirement. Yeah. That was the other one that came out of retirement. Yes. They dragged him out of retirement, and he's put together the poster for it. And let me tell you, it is a gorgeous. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of thing. art. It's a gorgeous piece of art. I don't think it's the final poster, but it is It is definitely... Well, we are talking about this uh, before the show because Dave and I were geeking out hard about this. Yes. Because like, Drew Struzan doing any poster, let alone a Star Wars poster, is just something to go crazy A fully painted poster about. too, not some piece yeah, of crap. Not some Photoshop, Photoshop thing. You know what yeah. though? I've got to say, I'm really, really concerned about what's going to happen to Han from this post. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there has been a lot of speculation that he does die at the end of this. I but thought, th- I but thought... That, that was, like, way back before they even started filming because Harrison Ford made a joke. Like, you know, I'm only going to do this movie they yeah. die, yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, idiot crashed his plane into a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> into probably, a golf, golf they're course. Pro- they probably are hoping that they killed him in the movie. You know? Yeah. Well, like, there's actually... Do you know what but, that, hey, uh, hey, hey, like, we'll see it. Hey, Harrison, like, we know, want like, you to come back in for some reshoots. Yeah. Like, that's why they froze him in... <laughs> that's why they froze him in Carbonite, though, contract Yeah, because he, yeah, he almost you know? didn't come back for Jedi. Yeah, yeah. then yeah. Lucas could have just kept him frozen in the yep. next one. You know? Um, yeah, but this here is the teaser poster, I'm assuming. Um, but it does have the, these three characters here, which is Finn, Ray, and Solo... And um, oh, and, 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 and our bad guy, come on, and yeah. Kylo Ren in the background, they're yeah. like sort of hovering over, like he's Darth doing Vader. the Darth Vader thing, yeah. And yeah. this this poster here itself does kind of call back to the original Star Wars poster, it weird, especially does. with the logo in the, the bottom right. Can I tell you, corner the X Wing's oh. coming in Apocalypse Now style, 
It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. are those the Return of the Jedi steps up to the Emperor's throne down the bottom they of the They do look a lot like that, yes. Mm. The other thing that uh, I was saying to Dave, I've been studying this poster all goddamn day because yes. you're just looking at it for every nuance. But uh, there was an early rumor that one of the script plots was about the fact that they find Luke's cut severed hand and his original mm-hmm. lightsaber. Well, if you look really closely at this poster, the, yeah. the lightsaber that he is holding looks a lot, looks like, a lot Luke's. like Luke's. Yeah. And the lightsaber <laughs> that we saw in the trailer, the second one, looks a lot looks like, like Luke's. Luke's. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I think there may be... My, my speculation on this was that um, that I feel like these are the free characters that they want us to to, to know going into the movie. Yeah. Like and, and and in this combination and based on the trailers that we've seen so far and the images like it ha- it is those free on the Falcon. Well, and put yeah. it together with the uh, with the trailer, you know, the force is strong in my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have it, my father had it, my yeah. sister has it. Yeah. You have it as now, well. Yeah, well, this is like interesting. And now we know who the you is. This is tying into the article that I want to talk about next. Before you do that, yeah. though, before you talk about it, let's talk about one other image that also came out this week and was swiftly pulled by Disney, which uh, is really yeah. interesting. Was a, a behind-the-scenes publicity photo of Luke uh, was really, well, came out this week. It was on geektyrant.com and a few other sites. And it showed Luke, for the first time, what he would look like in the film. Mm. And he was in full Jedi garb. White I mean, robes. White robes, full Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi-style robes. Yeah. And then the next day, after showing it to Dave, I went to show it to somebody else, and the picture is blurred out. It says, removed by Disney. Yeah. And they go, whoa, that came and went yeah. really yeah. fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, like a good nerd, saved it on my phone. I uh, see. I didn't. I send me a copy. Off air. So that image also came out. Now, what I'm wondering is, will that image of Luke appear on the final poster? Mm. I think there's going to be more of that. So I think like at this stage, everybody knows Mark Hamill's coming back. Like they don't, we all they know don't need to there. hide it. No, yeah. what they were hiding was what he looks like. Because a lot of people were wondering. Uh, the speculation is he bad guy? Is he good guy? He bad guy, good guy. Mm-hmm. Will he come back in black like in Jedi? Or yeah. you know, it's like I'm actually a little bit disappointed he didn't come back in black because well, that's very image. much his Return of the Jedi persona. Yeah. You know, mm. um, but uh, anyway, it's interesting to see yeah. him back. Well, the next thing I want—I just wanted to bring up because it's a really interesting thing. It comes from Entertainment Weekly, which is an article in their upcoming issue, which we um, should say released a shit ton of, of stills. Yeah, mm. uh, and yeah, and the this is basically J.J. Abrams talking about how he named all the new characters, so you would get the origin of the names. He doesn't—he elects not to talk about Finn and Ray, how he came to get their, na- their names. He's saying, "I'll only say that it's completely intentional that their last names aren't public record." That's what he says. Ooh. Uh, and he, there's something similar mentioned about Kylo Ren, but Kylo Ren just is not really mentioned here at all, um, in terms of the names. But when you, this is something that Dave and I were talking about because I'd read some kind of like very spacious. And uh, we should fan we comment. should put a warning out right now. This is nerd stuff, people. This is super <laughs> geeky stuff. So, and I apologize if this kind of does intentionally unintentionally spoil the movie for you. But I do say upfront now that this is a total, total. Speculation. We will and actually, and we will actually, super state, nerdy. We should actually state for the record right now that Star Wars is the one exception to Dave's rule. Yes, yeah. he's watching trailers. We're looking care. at images. Yeah, Star yeah. Wars is Star Wars, dude. We are starved for yeah. anything. Yeah. Star Wars. Honestly, like, how are you going to spoil it anyway? Yeah. You but can't spoil what you haven't yeah. seen. Listen, yeah. listeners. Well, no, but even yeah. once you have seen it, even. 
No, if you yeah. were given a copy of the script right now, you'd read it cover that, to cover that, that's and you'd what still I want to go yeah. see yeah. the movie. And can I, can I, I point out... To, what I said to Jane before the show was that if I got given the script now, I'd turn the last page, read the last page first, then I'd yeah. read the script. Can I also point out that when 1977, when Star Wars came out at the cinemas, prior to seeing that movie, I had already read the comic adaptation, I had read the book, yeah. I had listened to the soundtrack. I mean, I knew... Every, I read everything about... Yeah. I knew everything about Star Wars before I saw it. But look... We should say to the listeners to make it very clear that if we find out a legitimate spoiler for the for the movie, we're not going to tell you. Like we're not going to blow it for you. No, this is all. You know, this the, we're just yeah. This is all just, speculative. It's all speculation, and you got to understand that we're huge Star. We Wars, don't know Star anything fans, more like, than you do at this you know, point. So, yeah. like, um, yeah. So th- this is what I'm what it is, and if you're really kind of unsure, just skip a minute. You'll be fine. But Kylo Ren, wh- when you break down the name, you've got the KY, which is Sky, the lubricant. sky, yeah, the, yes, the the jelly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to need when I watch the. Force yes, Awakens. I think so. Yeah, um, now, don't read it, Jamie. Don't read ahead. No, don't no, no. Read ahead. I'm, I'm, pla- I'm planning something. Here. All right, all right, keep going, yeah, keep yeah. going. No, um, so you got the KY for yep. Kylo, right, and then and the LO from Solo. So you've got the Skywalker mm-hmm. and the Solo. So Princess Leia, Han Solo, is Kylo Ren. The, the son of them. Yeah. So, and the force is yeah. strong in his family. The force is strong in yes. his family. But then again, he's elected not to talk about the, the last names of Finn and Ray. So, who knows? Yeah, maybe, I don't maybe think, they're, I don't maybe think they're, they're related somehow. Yeah. yeah maybe maybe not to each other, but yeah. maybe to someone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe because, one of their yeah, last yeah. names is Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, yeah. <laughs> he's the no, Chewbacca no, 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 Solo no, love no, child. No, no. <laughs> D2. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> no, but anyway, that's that's all the speculation. Oh, no, do you know who in Star Wars has fins? <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> fin Akbar, yes. Fin Nub. <laughs> fin Fin Jar. <laughs> and Ray Binks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Misa got it on and had I a was, kid. I was thinking in my head, Ray Crumb. <laughs> That's real nerdy. Um, Look, I'm just going to put this out there as well. If they want to make money, and they do, yeah. one of those last names is Fett. Oh. <laughs> we're nerds. <laughs> anyway, what else okay. you got? Okay, so we're going to go through now the cast, the new cast. And I thought what would be fun is that you've probably been reading this now the whole time, haven't you guys? So you no, 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 no. I was going to no, say- No, I haven't, I haven't yeah. actually. I purposely yeah. not okay. read yeah. it for you. I was going to I was gonna say the name and then I was going to get you guys to guess what okay. they were. And okay. I, and then I'll, I'll find what Abrams <laughs> says they are. So cool. we'll, we'll go first with Poe Dameron, who's the X-Wing. He's a fan of that movie, The Decameron. Yeah. <laughs> His character is based on a raven. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I thought too, but it's actually um, that J.J. Abrams' daughter has a polar bear doll and mm-hmm. she nicknamed it Poe. And they needed someone cute, so it's Poe, and so they had that cute and J.J. Um, Abrams' assistant is last name's Dameron. Mm. So oh, you okay. get Poe Dameron. What um, galaxy is he from? Yeah. <laughs> BB-8's my favorite one, so I'll leave that till last. General Hux is funny because the how they wrote the script apparently was that they would J.J. Uh, Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan would walk around the streets of London where they were filming and come up with the idea as they were walking, and they came past a cemetery and there was a headstone that said Hux, and they thought that that's a cool name. Nice. Phasma is a really funny one. Captain Phasma is that he's just a giant fan of the movie Phantasm. 
<laughs> as, as, as we should yeah, all be. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so he named it after the Silver Sphere. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I am so excited yeah, about yeah. Captain Phasma. Of all the characters, she's the most visually striking. Yes, yeah. A tall uh, stormtrooper. So with the final one that they talked about was BB-8, which I think is just great. It's just is the, the 8, hang on, without having seen, is the 8... Because it looks like two balls on top of each other. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes that's really. exactly what it is. There you yeah, go. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the two bees are like the whole bouncing ball. Nice. Yeah, the onomatopoeia. Bouncing ball shaped like an eight. Bounce, yeah, bounce. yeah. That's that's my news about the names, and and it's cool because we get we we kind of get to know the characters in it. That new, is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just shows you the 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 kind of where they're coming from, I guess. All yeah. right. Any more Star Wars news? I think that's. I think it. we talked about a lot. Oh, oh Dave, toys. you've got to talk about. Oh, we can talk about someone that was on Star Trek. Yes. I mean, that was on Star Wars and then was booted off Star Wars. We can. Let's talk about the toys very quickly first. Oh, yeah. We won't go through them in detail because there's a million of them. But let's just say we will put a link in our show notes for this because it is pretty staggering. Yeah. The toy lineup that also got announced. Oh, the Lego. The Lego is amazing. The Black Series action figures are amazing. The pop vinyls are amazing. If anyone follows me on, on Facebook, you would have seen me post photos of the Lego that I do. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be buying so much of this yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And these action figures are cool as well. I mean, just the basic Star Wars action figures are cool, but the Black Series action figures, the Black Series Stormtrooper, if that is not the number one bot toy after this film comes out, I don't know what is because it looks fantastic. Oh, if they get a remote control BB-8. Oh, yeah. yeah, that'll be cool too. There's a Phasma, a Phasma action figure. Mm. A Phasma action figure isn't tall enough. That's the only problem. Because it's not yeah, scale. Yeah, it's true. It's not tall to scale. Yeah, that's, that's strange. <laughs> Maybe her last name is Fit. Phasma Fit. Phasma Fit. <laughs> <laughs> that's too many f- sounds in one name. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's look, uh, toys are our thing. We all love toys, and these it's look fantastic. Awesome. Um, but yeah, we'll put the show. What, what site is this? This is, this is um, uh, Star Wars 7 News.com. Star Wars 7 News.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. And we should wrap it up with the traditional 123 days left until the movie. And three hours. Mm. And three hours as of recording. <laughs> You'll know exactly yeah. when we're recording. Yeah, that's this. right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, someone should oh, do oh that. Oh, my God. They can yeah. stalk us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Find us. By, well, the t- by the time they work it out, we won't be here. While we're talking about toys, <laughs> yeah, the, toys the news that I'm bringing to the table this week is about the new Heroclix set that's coming out, Nick Fury and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Uh, so it's got some amazing pieces. It's, it's really bringing... Not that Clicks has a storyline of its own, but it's bringing all the modern Marvel stuff uh, into Clicks for the first time. So we're getting the Captain America Falcon, who looks stunning. Uh, the the female Thor. Female Thor looks great. Yeah, she's just covered in lightning. It's great. Um, and they've also got some some of the they they do different rarities of of pieces. It's like trading cards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, the the really really rare ones in this set, the the chase ones. Are all vehicles? So you get things like Kang's time chair, and uh, <laughs> yes. and uh, if you've read the original Sin series, you get uh, Nick Fury's cosmic harness that he uh, that he uses yeah, yeah, to assassinate yeah. things. I want so the really orb. cool stuff like that. I want the orb, dude. I want the guy with the giant eyeball. Yeah, yeah the gi- <laughs> 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 so yeah. So there's there's that. Uh, we're also getting um, the uh, the Hulk agent of Shield. Uh, the in his uh, sort of white suit with the blue dots all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the armor suit that he wore looks yeah, yeah. really cool. So um, Heroclix, for those who don't know, it's uh, it's kind of like superhero chess. Uh, you you move your superheroes around the board, trying to battle the other guy's force. Uh, you've all got your own superpowers, and you can pick up items and throw them at people. And, and do we're all not sorts playing; they make great little collectibles. And we're not <laughs> playing; they make amazing collectibles. They're yeah. so well sculpted and uh, and made. 
Remember so, that um, night we sorted out like a thousand heroes? Yeah, there was, a, there was a picture on your Facebook page. There is. <laughs> there was way more than a thousand, I think. Oh my goodness. That, how that many box, do you reckon there was? That box is huge. How many, I, how many do you reckon that was there was? A lot. There was I, more I, than I bought 10 out of there as yeah. I was yeah. going through them. I reckon there was a good like 5,000 hero clicks that yeah, we tipped on. That was amazing. For sure. That was yeah. an yeah. amazing little experience. Yeah, that was fun. Tremendous fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The other piece of news that we we're going to go on to though is... It's a bit of a downer. And then we're going to finish off this and get into our movie review. Well, let's not make it a downer. I mean, this is a discussion that's... In it fact, opens up, think, it opens up something wider and is quite legitimate. The other thing is, I don't think we really want to get too heavily into the discussion because at this point, we don't really know all the facts. This is one article that has come out, and everybody's pouring over this article like scrutiny. Now it is Hollywood Reporter. We are, of course, talking about Josh the Fantastic Trank, yeah. Four and Josh Trank. Josh Trank and the Fantastic Four and the the debacle that happened behind the scenes, not so much on the mm. screen. Now. I don't even think I understand it fully. So we'll just kind of discuss this out. We've got the article in front of us and we'll pull information as we go. And remember, we are not lawyers and we were not there. So we don't know what the true story is. But what we do have... What we do know is that before the film came out, Josh Trank went to Twitter and said, the film that you're going to see is not the film I made. In fact, what he actually said was, a year ago, there was a really good version of this film, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what he really said. Then immediately deleted it. But nerds are pretty fast mm-hmm. on the old screen capture. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's been made. As we fast. said before with the Luke photo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and basically, uh, Fox has not taken kindly to the fact that Josh Trank is out bad-mouthing their film because, of mm. course, they're trying to market the film. And their argument, I believe, legally is that he is being – he is defaming the film <laughs> – Basically, and as a person who is a, a position of power or a position of in, of influence on this film, he is defaming the film. And there's there is a legitimate case and there. There is an absolutely legitimate case there. Now, yeah. Trank, on the other hand, is basically saying, "You took my film away, you bastards!" And he's lawyering up at this mm-hmm. point to say his name is on a film that is not his film, which is also a fair which case. Is, which is also <laughs> a fair case. And so, what you've got basically is Josh Trank v. 20th Century Fox at the moment regarding the Fantastic Four film that has come out and has been universally slammed. Um, Now, as we said before, we're not going to talk about the film. We've already had our words on the film. This is all behind the scenes. And this article in The Hollywood Reporter, which we will link to, goes into great detail about the behavior on the set, uh, the fact that Josh Trank had started to isolate himself in basically a allegedly. tent. Allegedly. Allegedly. Isolating himself in a tent. Mm-hmm. Allegedly causing hundreds of thousands of damage to a house that was rented to him because of his dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, and his wife and his dogs basically weren't controllable or something like that. I don't know how the wife came involved in all this. Yeah. But anyway, I don't think the wife was scratching up the sofas somehow. But, you know, I mean, it, that came into it. The other part that I thought was fascinating, though, was the fact that they did go back for massive reshoots to try and fix it because apparently Fox didn't like it, but they insisted the Trank had to be on the set. So mm. it was almost like they kept him in the naughty corner while they said, yeah. you just watch what you did. This movie's supposed to be fun. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is the strangest behavior yeah. I have seen I want to see. I, I want to see some sort of like um, Hearts of Darkness documentary yes. about, about this. Well, I think, actually, the, I I was being told recently that there's a documentary at the moment on Netflix about the making of the Island of Doctor Moreau with oh, uh, Marlon oh, Brando. I've heard so many stories about that. Actually. Yeah, well, I, I really, really? want to. I really want to see it because I think it's fascinating. Apparently, Brando was just like 
batshit crazy. Yeah, the stuff um, I've heard about him. So on maybe, the Hearts of Darkness. So maybe yeah, we yeah. will. Maybe we will get a whatever happened to the yeah. Fantastic Four. I would, I would probably like to see the direct, director's cut of Fantastic Four before I would. I would love to actually see a direction. We'll never see it, but I no, would love to see not it. Not now. Anyway. To go to go back to this. Look, I think the issues that really come out of this news are that. <sighs> It's really, really bad for a film when the director comes out and says it's bad before it's released. Yes. Um, and it, irrespective of anything else, I think not only has that probably cost it money and acclaim, but it's it's really damaging to any sort of objective view of the film. It's also really damaging to the to the reputation of that director because it also looks like. Oh well, you know, I made a bad film, but it's really not my film. That's right. You know, and you kind of look at it and go, "Really, Josh, take responsibility." You know, but there's I mean? a there's a bigger issue here, um, and and I think the media, and indeed the general populace, probably aren't aware of what goes into making a film. Yeah, uh, they're they're not aware that studios and directors talk to each other. It's not just directorial vision and studio sales engine, uh, and this is all coming out now because it failed mm. in most films. Those two things gel together to an acceptable level. I think it's it's very important to point out. I think you're absolutely right, Jamie. I think it's very important to point out. This article actually points out a little bit of a little bit of that by saying that we forget that World War Z had exactly the same problems as this film. They shut it down. They retooled it. A different director came in and finished it. Apparently, there were huge fights with Mark Forster on the set. Mm-hmm. But in that particular case, the film turned out to be a huge hit and a crowd pleaser and everybody forgot about it. Yeah, it's we, so interesting to read that too because I, I interviewed Mark Forster. He was sent here yeah. to do promotion for because that. And I did, interviewed him for World War Because he didn't turn around and say, oh, it wasn't my film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The other one that I think is like, fascinating, which I was- still sell, sell them out as the head of the movie. Absolutely. Like, yeah. And the other one that I was actually fascinated with because I was unaware of this and I'm, I keep- pretty well abreast of these things. I was unaware of the Bourne identity. I was unaware. Yeah, I didn't hear about this. I one. was unaware yeah. that the fights between Doug Lyman and the studio were so great. That's how Frank Marshall got involved. It wasn't uh, a Kennedy I remember Marshall hearing production. about them after the film had come out. Yeah. yeah. So Frank Marshall, when you watch Bourne identity, it says a Kennedy Marshall production. That's because you only just recently <clears throat> rewatched the Bourne I series. did. And mm. you would never know that there were, because apparently Frank Marshall stepped in and actually finished the film mm. because... Doug Lyman had real problems. Mm. And apparently Doug Lyman has problems like this with almost every one of his yeah. films. Uh, <laughs> apparently he had people come in and help fix Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like it, he's an indie director who doesn't have apparently a very strong studio bone and has a lot of problems in that arena, which also explains, because I never understood why Doug Lyman never directed any of the Bourne sequels, but it explains it because they basically mm. said, you're out yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and getting somebody else to take care of it. But yes, yeah, so, and in that particular case, Frank Marshall came in. Like, that, that's a, that, like, studio politics is a big thing, I imagine. Mm. I think like you're, you're, you're bound to get a job more based on your personality and ability to communicate with other people than you are off your previous film I think you know like how good you are in a meeting how well you work with others is a huge thing because of course because the the audience needs to needs to remember that we're not talking about hundred thousand dollars here like we're talking about like at in some cases nearly three hundred million dollars that they're handing to one person yeah essentially because the kind of thing is like director's behavior can be you know a, a very vital thing. There's the same way that an actor's behavior can be or, or a, a dickhead cinematographer yeah. or a dickhead grip. Because the kind of thing is what happens is th- these things are like a job for these people. 
is that you go in there and you, and it's not even nine to five. Sometimes it's like five a.m. in the morning until you know one a.m. We're talking the next sixteen day. hour days, you know, six hours, six seven day days weeks, a week, six and seven days a week, and we're know? talking eighteen weeks and straight. Yeah, you go gaga. By yeah, and you go gaga. And if you're if you're on a set where where the director is just like he doesn't even have to be a dickhead, but even if he's just boring. Let's not forget that like, this is you're, why you're, Edward like, Norton you know, was fired. Yeah. Edward Norton was fired. Because a, a set is like the how many shots do you reckon they did on this on these movies per day? Oh, they're probably only doing three or four sets. Yeah, a day. you know, that's like, a problem. Yeah, and they're spending like two hours lighting, and people are just hanging around, going like, "We can't even make a joke here because like before this know, before this slips away, and somebody says, "But what what happened?" Edward Norton was fired from the Marvel franchise after the Incredible Hulk was made. He was set to be in the Avengers. Mm. Joss Whedon and Kevin Feige got together. They had a discussion. There was open letters about this, and they let Kev, they let Edward Norton go and chose to recast him. And the primary reason cited yeah. was that Joss Whedon felt that if you're going to have that many egos in one place, everybody better work well together. And they didn't want to put up with any of the legendarily um, hot-headed Edward Norton yeah. um, on the set of this many egos in one place, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's purely what it was. Yeah. And that—that's this is kind of exactly the thing why like Colin Trevorrow <clears throat> was able to go to Jurassic World so well, mm. you know, because like he—he's a guy that people probably love in yeah. a room. Look at J.J. Abrams. J.J. Mm. Abrams is someone that everybody just loves because yep. he's super nice, he's super friendly, like he—he's happy to work with other people, and yep. and because he understands that's what he wants to yep. do, that's mm. his job. But again, Whereas these personalities that are very like down the line, it can gel because your first impressions mean a lot, particularly in a kind of world where you're working with hundreds of people. A I think day. We, should, we should be very like this stuff here, for example, like these Hollywood Reporter articles from a source. You know, more often than not, this source could be like like Josh, got- Josh Trank walked past a sound guy, and the sound <laughs> guy went hi, and Josh Trank was like, "I'm busy," hmm. you know, walked past, and then before you know it. Yeah, Josh Trank was a dick to me. We should actually yeah. stress that the Hollywood Reporter is sta- is uh, citing several sources on this article. This yeah. is actually a very, very, very balanced article because it's actually having a go both sides. Yes, for sure. So we should that, state that's, that this that's is the heart of it, isn't it? It's and both sides need to work together correct. well. But again, yeah. what, what it comes down to in the end is that we go and see Indiana Jones and go, gee, Steven Spielberg made a good movie. Mm. And we have no idea, really, the input that anybody from from Fox had at the time, mm. you know, Paramount, and Paramount. Yeah, Paramount, sorry. Mm. Um, but, uh, look, how do you think somebody like Stanley Kubrick mm. would go making a film today? Yeah. Well, it's kind of a big, difficult conversation because every film's different and that kind of thing. But Kubrick got away with it because Kubrick was notoriously under budget and cheap. Yeah, I would, I would sure. actually, yeah. I would actually stress because yeah. Kubrick should, in reality, be very didn't really make a movie about, more than 40 million. Well, we should also yeah. be very clear about, uh, directors who have directorial control and directors who work within a studio system. The directors yeah. who are working for Marvel or the directors who are doing franchise films like this mm-hmm. are very much part of a machine. Absolutely. They're part of the whole Fox vision or the whole Marvel vision or whatever it is for their franchise. But the public don't see that. No, no. they don't see that at all. Somebody like Spielberg, how much control did Spielberg actually have over Raiders of the Lost Ark? Well, I'm sure he, I'm has sure he had 99%. massive control <laughs> yeah. because Raiders of the Lost Ark was actually an independent film. Mm-hmm. Paramount distributed it, hmm. but it was produced by yeah. Lucas. And there's, there's, other, there's other elements too because some, someone like Spielberg, by the time you get around to Crystal Skull, say, you've seen so many of his films that you, you can start to see... Of exactly course. what is you here. can see his pattern. Yeah. Also, Spielberg, is, one of, Spielberg is also one of the very few directors in Hollywood 
and I say few because it's actually something they covet. He's one of the few directors in Hollywood who actually has final cut. Yeah. So his films go out but as I they think, go. I think it's He's been, earned it. It's, though, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to bring it up because the kind of thing is with Josh Trank, he's made a, a found footage film before and now this. So he hasn't really made enough movies for us to even be able to go, well, that's Josh Trank. And if you actually you look know, at Fantastic so, Four next to Chronicle, there is no discernible yeah. style between those two films. No. And, yeah. So we don't. He, he is an unknown quantity at this point. Yeah. But then again, I would also say that Colin Trevorrow is also an unknown quantity because yeah. we have one low-budget film about a guy who thinks he can time travel and a dinosaur movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens after but, that. But I, I, I'm 100... I have a lot of confidence. I, I, I can't say I'm 100%, actually. I'm like 99.9% sure that the reason he got Jurassic... Um, he got Star Wars was because Kathleen Kennedy's doing Star Wars. He, um, she's married to Frank Marshall, who produced Jurassic World. Yep. And I, they would, they just would have talked. They would have said, you know who you should get? You should get um, Colin Trevorrow. Not only was he like this most lovely guy that everybody loved and was just absolutely awesome. He brought it he, in on time. He and made, a, he made a good movie and he made the third highest grossing <clears throat> good movie of the, of all time. Do you yeah, know what, I was going to say. Do you know what the conversation you know, So it's like, it's like, like if, if you've done those three things, you've shown your chops. Yep. Everyone loves to work with you. And... The biggest, the biggest, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna. The be biggest huge. factors here are gonna be: Did he tell a good story? Was it a crowd pleaser? Did he come in un, under budget? Did he come in under time? Of yeah. course, bingo. Mm. You got those things. You got it made. Yeah. you know what I mean. And that's—I know it sounds incredibly cynical, but this is Hollywood. Yeah, the Hollywood machine. When you're dealing with big budget films, two of the primary things here are gonna be: Can you do it on time? And can you bring it in on budget? Yeah, because it's when not you, unreasonable. It's not unreasonable when you're dealing with that much money. You go Actually, over budget. That's just, a big this deal. Is, this, is a bit sure. of, this is a bit of a sidebar. I know we're running way over time and stuff, but oh, I, it's new. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I listened to this interview with Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise, and they were, the Christopher McQuarrie before he even put pen to paper mm. on Mission Impossible Five, he approached the marketing department and he said, "What is it that you guys look for in a Mission Impossible film, and what is it that?" people want to see in a Mission Impossible film because I want to put those two things in the movie before I even write it. I'll write around that. And um, and the second the, the marketing people heard that, they lost their mind. They were like, no director's ever come to us and asked us this. Are you kidding? They said, that, hang him off a plane. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that got... I got a, oh, there's another interesting story about that. But um, but the that got word to the studio and the studio... They, they they not only gave Christopher McQuarrie no problems with what he wanted to do, they increased his budget and they, they turned stuff like an eight-minute uh, motorcycle chase into a 20-minute motorcycle chase. Because, like, they just... Like, this is a... This, they just knew straight away, this guy wants to make us a movie that will make money. Yeah, mm. absolutely. You know? And, like, he he's with us. Like, sometimes you, wanna, you, you want to make an, You want to make an art film? Make an independent film. Yeah, you know, don't don't. You want to work within the studio system? You're making you're making yeah. mass. And he made porn. a Absolutely. he made a freaking brilliant movie. If yes, you ask me. But, but, see, I, but just real brief, interesting note on the airplane sequence. That was that was in the script as the final scene. As the final scene. As yeah, it was going to be a post, like not a post credits, but the story was going to wrap up, and then they were going to go check out this fun little thing to end it. Oh, on. awesome! And then in the cut, they moved it right to the beginning, which was a good mm. move. Yeah, yeah. See, I think when you. Part of the problem is when you present it as you're you're part of the machine. You're being honest, absolutely. But but the machine is to make good movies. But the machine though, is you know. to make good movies. Yeah. That's right. And 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 the machine has existed for 125 years or something like that. That's so, right. You know, and that's we a- look, we don't know what's <laughs> happened with Fantastic Four. You can't lay blame. But clearly, there's been problems between the director and the machine, and uh, that's that's where the, everything's gone downhill. Yeah, it's gone and, downhill. And the, the thing that shits me to tears about a lot of this stuff is that Josh Trank is becoming the bad guy 
here. Yeah. At this yeah, point, I think like how many movies? Well, Fox have are had, also yeah. being the bad guy. Yeah, but it's but it's Josh Trank in particular because that guy's had a crosshair on him from day one, like way before this even shot. You know, as soon like, as he was like, announced as a director, like, he had a crosshair yeah. on him. But how did it yeah. get there? That's the thing. That's what's so frustrating about it. So there's something about his personality that that people don't like. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's bad. You know, but 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 the kind of thing is like th- that's bad because. The, if the movie had made money or whatever or it was, wasn't Fantastic Four, like how many movies get made that have way more troubling behind the scenes aspects than this that don't get written about or reported about or whinged about? Like at the moment, like I can't say anything, but I've heard some amazing stuff about the, the Pirates film because I have friends that are, yeah. that are that either sleep with people that work on the movie or are actually <laughs> working on the movie. And I've heard some amazing stuff about that movie. Amazing! It would like blow your mind if I was allowed to say. Mm-hmm. And the kind of things no one's writing about that. They're all not yet. They're, they're, well, not yet, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're only writing about how um his dogs were being kicked one out. One could argue that uh, that part of the uh, studio machine's job is to make sure that no one no one writes about that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Because like, like none of this stuff would have been written about or talked about. That's exactly my point, mm-hmm. Jamie. Yeah, none of this stuff would have been written or talked about if he had not made that tweet, and it would have gone all under the rug. That's right. In fact, there's part of me that actually sits there at this point and says, you know, you, need, you should cut your losses. Fox should just walk away. And Trank should just walk away and just say, let the film just rest at this point yeah. because this background back bickering is not helping anything. Not at all. Um, and I think at this point, we don't know the full story. And I think unless somebody wants to sit up and do an expose and actually bare their soul on this, walk away mm. because it's just getting ridiculous. If it goes to one day, we'll hear about it. One day, it'll be really nice. You know, we'll see that documentary, whatever happened to the Fantastic Four, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a great school of thought here. <clears throat> Terry Gilliam. The man of controversy, <laughs> Terry Gilliam, the man of controversy, actually said he will never direct a film again without a film crew behind him. <laughs> With all the problems yeah, that he yeah, has had yeah, on yeah. every film that he's ever worked on, he yeah. now always hires a documentary crew uh, that actually follows him throughout the entire production. Yeah. So that there is a record of everything, yeah, yeah, of everything yeah, that goes yeah. on. And I think, yeah. good on you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. To brighten things up before we move into uh, film review. Yes. I want to remind everyone that we are giving away some Star Wars Golden Books. And that we are giving them away to people who can spoil The, the Force Awakens for Dave. Uh, which is a virtually impossible task at this point. <laughs> because he's following everything. But you need to come up with your alternate version of what The Force Awakens is about. Make, post us, it, make us laugh. That's the goal here. Post it on our Facebook group and uh, and you can win the so first three. We were supposed to be drawing a winner this week, but I am amazed we've had no entries. We've had a huge jump in Facebook, so clearly people are going, oh, they have a Facebook. Hey, and, and if you're listening and going, oh, my email's not going to get read. It, it will get read, guys. Yes, it will. You'll come, and if, if you, you want, you've got, you, you got a good chance of winning because you know the competition. I'm going to give lacking. you an idea. I'm going to give you an idea. Tell him that The Force Awakens is a direct sequel to the Star Wars Christmas special. <laughs> hey, I'd be in for that. I'd, I would be. Man, I'd be there. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to make it a little bit easier for you as well. Because we said just put it on Facebook. If that is too hard, <laughs> as the case might seem to be, we also have other means of communication. So you can send your entries to competitions at geekactually.com. You can send your entries to feedback at geekactually.com. Or you can voicemail them through to us. Which- oh, our boys. They did, they did the Jurassic podcast. 
Yes, they did. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was released this morning. So that actually. was a real. real uh, I, I like calling this hotline. So the, yeah. yeah, you do. So it's o two words eight oh one one four one o two eight oh one one four one six seven or our Skype ID is geek actually all one word. However. We have had interesting cases where people have tried to use just a Skype ID and haven't been able to get through the voicemail. So if you call the number... Well, pick up the phone, Dave. Yeah, pick up the phone. (laughs) If you actually... I'm not answering the call. (laughs) This is a voicemail line only. So if you actually call it to the voicemail. For those who are outside of Australia, it is uh, 6-1 as the country code. 6-1-2 because you're calling Sydney. 6-1 for the country code, 2 for Sydney, and then 80114167. If you're in Sydney, just 80114167. If you're in Australia, just 02. <laughs> or um, or call, call Good Games Hurstville. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, seriously, guys. Uh, I mean, you know, There's as, lots of ways to communicate with us. As show sponsor, I really do want to see these competitions go off. It's cool when... It, the when more people who enter the competitions, away. the more competitions we will have. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and they're, they're awesome. They're really These awesome. golden books... Like, I, I, people I, I, I'm going to buy them myself. We're, we're going to put some pictures yeah. up. I reckon people are sitting there going, oh, golden books. We're going to put the photos up this week. I'm going to take mm. a photo of them. We'll put them up on the Facebook page so you can find them there. Dude, these are awesome. If you're a Star Wars, if you're a... Star Wars! Fan, you want these books. Trust me. We also have the other... Or, or a parent. Or a parent. Mm. We also have the other competition not to this forget This is a, well. God, a God's gift to parents. It really is. This is like, like the cliff like notes I to would, get them ready oh, for Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get them ready. Get them ready. And so the other thing we were also giving away is also our Captain Picard pop vinyl. Uh, make Make sure, it so. so that one's an easy one. Uh, competitions at geekactually.com. All you have to do is tell us your favorite moment in season seven of Next Generation, and you could walk away with this. Number one, my mouth has disappeared. <laughs> one number caveat. one. <laughs> Do a number two. One caveat. <laughs> we'll, actually, we'll highlight the caveat. One caveat to this is you have to be a resident of Australia because mm-hmm. we're not going to send these overseas because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. All right, but, but we will that, send it to New Zealand. We we feel we feel a mighty kinship with the with the people of New Zealand. You're paying for the yeah, yeah, those people are choice. They 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 love pop vinyls too. <laughs> that was terrible. So, I love New Zealand. I love New Zealand. Uh, yeah. And if you want to pay the postage, Dave, we'll take New Zealand. No, 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 I was only joking. I love the Almighty I'll, Johnsons. So no, no, that no, 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 I was only joking because it's like it's right next to us. But yeah, it's 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 like another eighty bucks in shipping. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into our feature film. Can Dave is doing a shift at work to pay for your postage. <laughs> <laughs> Can we clear some of these pages now? What are we looking at here? What's this one? This is IMDb. Oh, here we go. Okay, so. This week, we are doing uh, The Man from Uncle, which is Guy Ritchie's latest film. Uh, now, Henry Cavill, Army Hammer. That means this is officially the first Batman v Superman <laughs> film, right? Sorry, that's an inside joke, people. Yes, <laughs> so yes. Henry Cavill is, of course, Superman now. But for those who didn't know, Army Hammer was actually cast as Batman for the Justice League Mortal film, mm-hmm. which fell apart at the last minute. And apparently is the source of a new documentary, which I mm-hmm. want to see. Uh, we also have Alicia Vikander, who was the robot in... Uh, Ex Machina, mm-hmm. who is fabulous. Be still, um, be my still, be heart. still, my heart. She is gorgeous. Uh, that now, is not your heart beating, Tovarish. <laughs> uh, screenplay is by. We got our story from that. <laughs> screenplay <magazine>. is by <laughs> Guy, no, Guy Ritchie and Lionel Wigram, Wigram, and it is based on the '60s TV show. 
who nobody apparently has ever heard of. <laughs> Can I? I got a quick, quick question about the '60s show because you guys have watched some, right? Oh, yeah. It, is um Army Hammer's character in in the '60s show? Yes. Yes. So so the '60s show because I've never watched it is like it it is. An American and, and, a, a Russian. and a Russian. Yep. Okay. One of the interesting yeah. things I, I was thinking through the movie, like, is that maybe is the is every week it's a different no. foreign country or something. Look, I, I preface this. I preface this with the fact that I was eleven or twelve when the Berlin Wall fell. Mm-hmm. But but one of the things during the Cold War, which which has become really obvious to me through my childhood and through watching TV, is that Britain wasn't adverse to the idea of the Russians. Mm. Whereas it, it wasn't, it wasn't the English and the Americans versus the Russians. It was the Americans versus the Russians and the British being cautiously on the American side, but not being crazy about it. Mm. So, being a British show originally, it was happy to, to depict a heroic Russian. Yeah. So this is the original. I didn't, I didn't even think about it in that sense. I just thought about it in the sense of I, I, I felt that maybe each episode was like that. The the man from Uncle would be the American. Who has to team up with a different country? No, it, was, it was always it was always the two of them. So Napoleon yeah, okay. that makes sense. Like, Napoleon Solo, no big deal. It didn't the, ruin how I how I watched the movie. Napoleon Solo was played by Robert Vaughn, and Elia Karyakin was played by David McCallum, who went on to be in NCIS. If you watch yes. NCIS, he's the coroner. Uh, the, and he was number one, wasn't he? In Austin Powers, Rob, Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn, the older one, the older number one. No, no, no. no. You're, think, no, you're who thinking, am I thinking of, of you're thinking of um, um, uh, the name's familiar, Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn, you would have he's been in a lot of stuff, but he wasn't in uh, he wasn't in Ah, uh, he's in Bullet. He's in Bullet and he's in a bunch of stuff. You would have seen him he was in um he was in uh, Battle Beyond the Stars. Um he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, anyway. Anyway, the point is that oh, he yes. was in Pooty Tang. Pooty Tang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ba- should review Pooty Tang. He was the bad guy in re- he was bad guy in basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's probably where I know him <laughs> That's where you know him from. Yeah, the hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about the new... Uh, new uh, Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. Where is it? Man from Uncle. Uh, as we we're saying, uh, it, based on this show, Henry Cavill, Army Hammer, Alicia Vikander, Elizabeth Debicki, who is also very interesting mm-hmm. as a character, and Hugh Grant. Yeah, yes. Yes. Can you do yes. Hugh Grant for us? Yes, it's, it's a bit it's, of a Hugh Grant. Just, just, just a bit of a wave. Yes. Voice there. He was. He was. <laughs> can, can I be in more films? Because I'm, uh, I'm actually quite. I rather do like myself yeah. in films. Yeah. I'm, I'm, very, I'm, I'm very good. Can I say I love Hugh Grant? <laughs> Me too. I really like Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant too, is. Yeah. He is my man crush. I love. Where Hugh Where is he though? Like. Seriously, I don't know. He seems to have disappeared. I, I was actually saying this before we went and saw the film. I don't think I've actually seen him in a film since Love Actually, and I, it was pointed out to me that he had been in some, but I haven't seen him in any. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. He's just kind of vanished. He's great. Here's some of the trailer. Are they still following us? Yes. Is there one of them? Hmm? Is he looking at us? Mm-hmm. Does he have just one hand on the steering wheel? Mm-hmm. When you hear something that sounds like a gunshot, drive. Nicely done. Recently discovered the existence of an international criminal organization with ties to former Nazis. Rumor has it that built an atom bomb. We have no choice but to work together to infiltrate this organization. We'll leave you two to get acquainted. Napoleon.
alien soul. The CIA's most effective agents. Ilya Kuriaki. KGB, the youngest man to join in their best within three years. America is teaming up with Russia. Things could get a little messy. The thing is, I work better alone. I work better alone too. Okay, I'll let you tag along. And we might leave the trailer there. Uh, can I just say my first first thing about this film is the fact that we have two actors who are struggling a little bit with their accents. But I disagree. Did, but I didn't care. Yeah. Perhaps I could teach them something. <laughs> I didn't care. I had so much fun watching this film that you just kind of go, whatever. Yeah. I disagree violently. Okay, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I thought this was performance porn. Like, like seriously, <laughs> like the actors in this movie were just across the board, just a oh, joy. I thought like the, a pure, pure joy. I thought the performances yeah. were great. I think that like you could feel I thought every line was purposely delivered that way. You could, like for fun. I, for I the, just felt, like I, I just, thought it was almost a callback to like um, <laughs> you know, like crappy accents in in the sixties. Well, kind of. But I felt because you feel like. You feel like Henry Cavill is fighting his accent. The he whole, really the is. Whole, isn't he? I, know, I thought it was he's so fighting. intentional. I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> he like seriously, like Academy Award level. Because brilliant. he's like, not. He's not yeah. fighting his accent yeah. in Superman. In Man of Steel, he's very, well, he, very. He's much, not fighting much at all. Well, he's not. But <laughs> you, there's never just, any doubt. Just that, falling buildings. But there's just no doubt that it's an American accent. Mm. In this one, he actually feels like he's fighting against it a little bit. But it could be yeah. exactly what you say, though. Yeah. It could be because of. The time period yeah. setting. I thought it was the whole campiness. Yeah, of I it mean all. the sixties, sixties uh, 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 setting of this film and the soundtrack. The oh, soundtrack's a ripper as so well. So amazing! Yeah, is, yeah. A, is brilliant. It gave the movie en- more energy than it kind of maybe had. Well, yeah, because a lot yeah. of the soundtrack was them just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I say? Look, Guy Ritchie is my Quentin Tarantino. Like people talk about Quentin Tarantino the way that I feel about Guy Ritchie. I never see a Guy Ritchie film that I don't want to just turn around and walk straight back in the cinema and see it again. Interesting. And, mm. and uh, this film was absolutely no exception to that rule. Yeah, I loved so it. Funny. I loved it from the first moment. Um, it was he clearly his love letter to 60s James Bond films uh, and Henry Cavill's audition for James Bond once uh, <laughs> <laughs> once that's needed. And he's British, so he, it'll actually fit with oh, that. Oh, he, right. he, he is British. He is British. Yeah, 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 but course, my yeah. God, it was just so much fun. Mm. The cinematography, just stunningly yes, good. Yeah. Um, Although all over the place, in my opinion. But, but I think but on purpose, good. once again, I yeah. think... I think that but mixture of styles kinda. and stuff is very much what he was going it's for. It's very much Guy Ritchie. And it was also very much the way that 60s Bond films looked. And mm. that's that's what he has basically simulated here. But very tongue-in-cheek, very much having fun with it. I love the fact, and this is, again, a Guy Ritchie trait, that every character is the best in the world at the one thing that, at the one thing they can do and critically incompetent at everything else. These two spies it's a good call. These yeah. two spies are the worst spies that I have ever yeah. seen in my life. The Russian guy can do nothing but get angry and hit things. Yeah. And and, and Henry Cavill can pretty much talk his way out of any situation, but as soon as he gets hit, it's over for him. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's just great. Like oh, so many great set pieces. Mm. Um, how brilliant was let's talk about set pieces. How brilliant was the set piece of 
Henry Cavill getting out of the water, sitting in the truck, truck eating someone eating else's somebody's lunch, lunch <laughs> drinking their wine, and the psych gag of the boat just racing around in the background, steadily catching on fire. <laughs> so, so yeah, to put it in context, to put it in context, both uh, both Army Hammer and, and Henry Cavill are in a boat. And, trying to uh, escape. And trying to escape some, some bad guys. Henry Cavill falls out of the boat and simply swims to shore and sits in this truck watching as Army Hammer has this chase scene in the background with uh, with the bad guys. It's great. And you only hear the opera music he's listening to yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, there's then, a, and there's a lot of moments like that where all the sound from the film just drops away yeah. and all you're getting is the soundtrack and the film and the scene is played out to the soundtrack. And it's brilliant in that sense. Yeah. The, other, the other set piece that I think is a brilliant a brilliantly conceived piece is, and this is kind of spoilers because it's near the end of the film. We won't tell you what the resolution is, but the the, the um, water? no the attack on the base uh, yeah. by the British military. Uh, yes, because it's yeah. just like we're going to attack the British base and you're going to go do what you do. Yeah. And so the attack on the base is just a side note. Yeah. It's like yeah, they're in. What I love about that as well <laughs> is it turns out if you send armed British. Army soldiers. soldiers against any private military force, the British soldiers just win. They will win. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's like we don't need to play out the whole scene. I like just the, win. Um, the the bank vault. Oh, yes. Yes. oh, it's not really a bank, but the, the vault. And, um, His the, entire explanation yeah. is there, there was There was a masterful shot there because the whole movie is like, who's got the bigger dick, really? Yeah. Kind of yeah, like, yeah. Who, who's the better spy? It's like Mad Magazine, spy versus Very spy. Very much. Yeah. But when, the way that Guy Ritchie used the, the camera, like stuck it to that, that vault. Yeah. And when, when Henry Cavill <laughs> opens the vault and he just lets it swing out and it, the camera's attached to the vault door and yeah, it so swings out, are- like almost <laughs> like, Come opening on. up the room <laughs> yeah. and it, it points like right <laughs> at him <laughs> stuff like great. that I really loved uh, the one-upmanship you know the one-upmanship these yeah. are Russian bugs yeah. these are American yeah. bugs yeah. <laughs> throwing the yeah. bugs at each other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that it's because it's got the 60s it's got the, the 60s bugs were great the bugs yeah, were great everything great. is bugged <laughs> I love the fact that the fact that it's got the 60s setting you can get around you can get away with um, of just getting around political correctness completely mm-hmm. You can play with the fact that the bad guys are Nazis. When was the last time you saw a film where the Nazis yeah. were the bad guys? That's like, right. Crappy technology. Well, and, and the fact crappy that... Crappy technology. Uh, yeah, well, the, one of the characters turns out to be Joseph Mengler. In one of the funniest scenes. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great, actually. With the, when, when they turned around in the glass behind them. Yeah. yeah without, without spoiling. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. What should but, we do? What do you reckon? <laughs> This time I agree with you. <laughs> such, look, such a sharp film as well. So well written. You know, clearly every film scene had a purpose. And one of the other things that I thought was great a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Mission Impossible uh, 5. Um, <laughs> I believe that's called Rogue Nation. Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation. Yeah. Rogue, <laughs> Rogue, I believe that's called Rogue One. I mean Rogue Nation. No, did you hear about this? <laughs> Is that, that the Rogue yeah, they, they actually, <laughs> Yeah, they actually had to pass it by Disney if they could use it. Because oh, really? of Rogue One, yeah. Oh. And they, they were like, by the time Rogue Nation's... By yeah. the time Rogue One's out, Rogue Nation will be on whatever. But but when we were talking about it, anyway, I pointed out, Uncle. I pointed out that uh, I pointed out that British intelligence always smarter than uh, than yes. American and Russian intelligence. <laughs> and once again, <laughs> and once again, <laughs> Hugh Grant, the only competent person in the film, <laughs> clearly clearly playing on clearly playing on who he is, which Hugh is Grant, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hugh Grant just practically just 
wanders in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like we're we're three quarters of the way through the film before mm-hmm. he makes his first appearance, and it's just like he just goes, oh, "Hello, everybody." And look again, again without spoilers. Um, I I just want to get your you the feeling of you two. Uh, how amazingly clever in the actual shooting was the denouement of this film? The the final scene where bits are left out and then you get shown what was oh what yeah, was yeah. going on. Yes, mm. no, no. I think that I think overall the, the film I think that is a highlight of the entire film though, because all the way through the film we're getting those. You get you moments. did get those montages. And yeah. I think that is part and parcel of what made this film so brilliant was mm. the fact that it's structurally, written wise, mm. it is structurally so tightly wound together that you're not you never lost, and yet it is as complex as a first Mission Impossible film. Yeah. You know, there is there is so much going yeah. on, and yet Guy Ritchie manages just to kind of weave it together like a magician and just go, here you go. See how you go yeah. with this, you know. And I think no, I think it's very clever. And I also think the other thing to consider is the last cl- is the climax of the film, which without spoiling it, but the 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 chase mm-hmm. is mm. also a genius piece of, of so well filmed. A yes. gen- a when it genius, starts raining, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, the, just the, the the whole chase and, and the idea of the camera pulling back, giving you the lay of land, then pushing back mm. in on another area of it. And it's all very digital trickery and everything, but it's so clever. It's so well put It's together. almost like every 10 minutes he just decides to change style entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, got, I got the sense like that I'd, I was watching like, because of the complex of stuff in it all, like, I felt like I was watching 10 short, 10 minute films. It kind of yeah. was like yeah. that. Because like he would be like doing Canton angles one scene, then the yeah. next scene would be split screen, the next scene would be giant subtitles. And I love and it kind of <laughs> had no uniformity to it. <coughs> I love like, that um, technique of the sub of the But like in a, in an interesting way, like not in a in a yeah. in a negative way. But I love like, that idea. It spiced the movie up every ten minutes. The, the love, subtitles. I, well, no, I was going to say I love the idea of the split screens. How it's like a multiplayer video game in the mm. sense that they're all split screens, and as they come next to each other, the split line they start to join. Yeah, and it becomes yes. one screen. Yeah, it's like again. in twenty four. Yeah, and yeah. it's like he's gonna go genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like playing Lego Lego, Lego Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a poor quote for the poster. <laughs> Just like Lego Star the, Wars. Um, Loved it. The <laughs> fact as well that he kept us laughing into the credits. Yes. Oh, yeah. the, the final The credit the credits with the, this is not a spoiler at all. The credits are files about the characters that you've seen, yeah. dossiers about them. <laughs> oh and, yes. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and just printed on the screen little yeah. in jokes about them all. Yeah. Yeah. Weird it's, abilities and my, my, yeah. my, my, my favorite dossier, we won't spoil it. Here, my favorite dossier was Hugh Grant's. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, my 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 one. It's not a spoiler either, but it was uh, how many languages the character spoke. And, yes, and the fifth language being like really abstract. Like, <laughs> well, well, all right. Well, one one spoiler just to throw it out there. I love the fact that when it shows her dossier, it says excellent mechanic learning Russia. She lived in East Germany. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you would think she probably had a better grasp of Russian than that, you know. <laughs> uh, no, this was a really, really good film. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I am worried that the film is probably doomed to obscurity because I think there's a lot of people who really aren't familiar with the series anymore. <laughs> as much as I enjoyed it, it, it'll be gone by my brain in a couple of days. Yeah, look, I, I couldn't... Like, you know, un- uh, unfortunately, it's light. Yeah, it is like, light. It is light. It, you know, and that's what it's trying to be. It's like, it's It's a fluffy real piece of candy fluff. floss. It really is. But yeah. it's a lot of fun to eat. But, you know, around. much as I enjoyed them both, and, and <laughs> it's hard to make comparisons because they're radically different in a lot of ways, but both being espionage films, I like this a lot more than Rogue Nation. It actually felt less like a bunch of set pieces taped together and more like... 
an actual story that was told through set pieces. And as a counter to that, I'll probably say I like Rogue Nation a little bit more. I had a lot of fun with this. this I think was, Rogue Nation, to me, was a more satisfying What, what was the deal with the music being almost identical to Hans Zimmer's Sherlock Holmes music? Well, when it was actual the, music. They're different was, composers. Yeah, what was really interesting, though, was he, that he whole had... But if you notice in the end credits, there was actually a thank you to Ina Morricone. Oh, really? Yes, um, there was. And one of the tracks was actually was, yeah. one of the tracks was actually Ina Morricone track. So there's a lot of that '60s feel. Yeah, right. And so I that think that sense. was they, they might that. have came from the both both the same place. Yeah. So I uh, when I was growing up, my grandmother was a big fan, huge fan of, of Nina were, Simone. Yeah. So oh, yeah, okay. so all that sort of music, you know, really resonated with me as well. Yeah. It was. This this film really spoke to what I love about the espionage genre. You know, it was tongue in cheek about itself, but just so and so, so much fun. So goddamn cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah, even <laughs> even when they were looking incompetent and stupid, they looked cool. They looked cool, <laughs> and they always kept their composure. And it's like never a bruise on them after a fight. You know? Yeah, like absolutely. They, they were just and just Henry Cavill, just. Fuck, he did a good job in this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every line he had was just it made me giggle. I think it, I think we went to see it with our good friend like, Mario Todd, yeah. and I think he summed up this movie. He goes, "My God, that man's huge. He's a monster. He's a monster. It's like he's bursting yeah, out of his yeah, suit. Yeah. No, but it's just it's the way he carried himself. Like just like he didn't give a shit about anything because he knew he was just so good. And the, but you know, also, like, but nothing phased him. Like no. when he ate that sandwich, you know, it was a really good example. Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like I know exactly how this is going to plan out. It's it's like Batman, but if Batman knew how good he was, no, the, or think, or if Batman's parents, it's like he's like Bruce Wayne. If Bruce Wayne's parents were never killed, there's a better, he never the, became there's a better, there's, <laughs> like, a, yeah. there's a better scene to sum it up. The the best scene to sum up that that casual cool of him mm. is when he drinks the the uh, drug. The drug drug laced drink. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he goes, yeah, and he oh, lies and down. He goes, he goes yeah. rather, I think there was something in that drink. Yeah, he goes, he goes, <laughs> and he goes, I'll just lie down because yeah. I don't want to have a repeat yeah, of goes, another incident. Last, last time I hit my head, I hurt my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He puts a cushion under his yeah. <laughs> The villains try to monologue and go, like, what are you yeah. doing? I love <laughs> the real, real, where I was sold was in the real beginning where it was like, um, where do we go now? And it's like, we go through that window. To your life, the window, <laughs> you know, it's like everything is obvious to this guy, you know, like, but yet it's kind of like really complex stuff that he's thinking. And, about. Oh, so and it's like I love that. And how menacingly yeah. set up was uh, was Arnie Hammer when he <laughs> picks up a car and is holding it back? Yeah, he's like to dragging the. Yeah, I love the, I love the fact you've got Henry Cavill of all yeah. people <laughs> saying the man was a monster. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, what Henry Cavill? Or did he say that? He the, said it about Arnie Hammer. He's saying the man was a yeah. monster. He was uh, holding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're the monster, dude. Yeah, the the ticket scene was good too. <laughs> How he weaseled his way into that that uh, like rich people party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so that entire sequence, or when he's actually pulling all the jewels out and he goes, "Here's the watch," and here's the bracelet. Here's I the laughed my ass off when um when it was like uh, oh, I can't say because it's a spoiler, but I'll I'll allude to it. The whole listening in. Uh, with with um with the female character of the movie, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you know the one I'm talking about, yeah, mm-hmm. where it's like um you know he he he's there listening the whole time, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the look on Army Hammer's face, <laughs> <laughs> no, no! <laughs> <laughs> I just wish this was a spy versus spy film, like they're just full blown gone for it. Like. Look, one of the interesting things, I I wonder about why they decided to make it the Man from Uncle because it's a Let's face it; it's a dead franchise. Yes, uh, you know there was no reason to bring it back. The only thing I can think of is that 
the studio had the rights and wanted to do something, mm. or possibly more likely to me was that Guy Ritchie wanted to make. No, no Soderbergh. Guy, Guy Ritchie came on later. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, this has been this this property has been kicking around. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Years. Kick this off. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. This has been kicking around for a long time. I think it's more that the studio had the rights. Mm. There's been a big resurgence in things like Mission Impossible. So if I said, what other series? And in period pieces. And in period pieces. What other series have we got? What What's else can there? we make? I'm, cool? I'm sure it didn't even cost that much to make. No, I just can't. Oh, for sure. It's got to have been a cheap film. But Yeah, but like that's the kind of thing. It's like when they're in the, yeah, the, let me the take low range. Let me oh, take yeah, it okay. yeah. But yeah, I mean... Uh, but I don't know. It looked expensive, though. I'm not trying to say the it, man, looked, it looked no, cheap. No, not at all. You know? Not at all. They're like, just was really beyond well flying people to places. There wasn't you know. Oh, straight out of Compton made that much? <laughs> Far out! That's unreal. Budget is actually not showing. It's they've they've, they've check kept, Wikipedia. Yeah. I have it on Wikipedia. That's amazing. Sorry, straight out of Compton. That's crazy. Twenty four million dollars. We'll be doing that on, film soon. Yeah, hell yeah, we will. I'm heaps excited for this. So yeah, twenty four million two hundred thousand. Wow! <coughs> In one day. That's straight Shit. out of Compton. Not move, uh, move over, <laughs> Jurassic, not the Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're still looking at for budget of Man from Uncle. Hold on, give me a second. Yeah, see, I mean, there's there's wow. no real technical reason that this had to be the Man from Uncle, uh, but it certainly fits. No, absolutely. I, 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 is this it here? Is this the movie? That's the television series. Where's the movie? Hold there on. it is. The second one, Army this Hammer. One? There we go. Okay. Napoleon. Sorry. But is that is that wiki? Yeah. Here we go. All right, so according to Wikipedia, the budget only was... my mother calls me Napoleon. <laughs> the budget was seventy five million. Yeah. So there you go. Mid range, mid mid range for a Hollywood film at this point. Yeah. So seventy five million, uh, it's got to make uh, hundred and fifty million back to turn profit. That's it, what it, you want, it, isn't it? It could <laughs> potentially do that. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, it's box office isn't setting the world on fire because straight out of Compton is taking all the money. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's kind of got a bad time to be released, hasn't it? It's summer blockbuster season, and this is not a blockbuster. Well, it's, summer blockbuster season coming to an end. That's the problem. Yeah. As well. This is like the very tail end of it. That's right. Um, look at all the people that were attached to it. Oh yeah. This thing's, as I say, this thing's been kicking Jordan around for Levitt, a while. Gordon Levitt, Gosling, Tatum. Ewan McGregor, Matt Damon, Chris George Dale, Clooney as Napoleon Solo. DiCaprio, I like, I like, uh, we're just looking at the Wikipedia Tom entry Cruise. here. I like that, uh, that Dave says, you know, the, pl- the plot is as complicated as Mission Impossible and the uh, criticism here is that uh, it has a standard plot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the plot, I think the plot yeah. is very simple. I think the execution of the plot is very complicated. Oh, of course, yeah. So it's like they have chopped and changed it so much that – they train like, you know, we have to do this, to do this, to do this, to do this. And yet he manages to pull that together quite fine. You know, it's like, and, and mm-hmm. whereas when you watch the first Mission Impossible, the Brian De Palma one, you sit there tend to going, hang on, stop. How we, yeah, why, why are we? Well, interestingly, um, that film also uses the, we're just going to skip over and not show you something. And then later on, we'll come back and, correct. Was and this, fill you was, in. Was the girl character, Ilya, was she um, yeah, Ilya Kurakin is the guy. It's the Russian. Uh, what's the girl's name? Sorry, uh, she wasn't. I don't know. She was in the series. Um, that's her there, Swedish actress. Yeah, they, they only keep saying female lead. I can't remember. Gabby, Gabby, Gabby that's it. Yeah, I don't know if Gabby's actually in the series. I, I would have to go back and re- watch the series again. It's been a long time. The I'm, two- guess, I'm guessing Waverly was in the series. Well, yeah, Alexander Waverly is the yes, person. He, has the, he puts them out on their missions. Yep. Man from Uncle <coughs> by, by Sam Rolfe. I, this is gripping radio, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I love to listen to: just people thinking, people reading Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> do you want? To, do you guys want to know what I thought? Can you can you give us your thoughts uh, as Hugh Grant? I'm giving my thoughts now. 
<laughs> for gripping radio. <laughs> so four seasons for uh, a man from I thought the film was wonderful. <laughs> uh, hey, Jerry Goldsmith somewhere was here. What? Oh, yeah, Jerry Goldsmith. There he is. Yeah, there you go. First season's main title theme song. By Look, Jerry we, we love soundtracks, but can you stop sitting there looking at soundtrack porn and <laughs> find what you're actually after? Well, you guys can talk. Why? Look. We're actually going to wrap this up, so find out what you want to find. because we're gonna uh, This is boring for people listening. They don't care. They don't they, care. They're not even going to watch this movie. You they, people <laughs> don't care. These people are going to watch. Um, they're not even going to enter our competition, let alone watch the movie. They're going to go watch Straight Out Hello, Compton. Hello, anybody out there listening? <laughs> okay, you know what? Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to a close. I for broke you your by chair, saying mate. that <laughs> yeah, you broke his chair. I was going to say, sum it up for us. Uh, look, it's it's a fantastically fun, clever little film. Uh, it's going to fly under a lot of radars. It, you should go and see it, though. You really will have a lot of fun with the Man from Uncle. Um, you don't need to know anything about the original franchise. You don't need to know anything about anything beyond the fact that these guys are funny and having a great time making their movie. Absolutely, I concur. You do not have to have any prior knowledge of the series. Just go out and have fun. This is just a good, fun ride. Um, you may forget all about it afterwards, but it doesn't matter. You had fun while you were doing it. Dave? Yeah, it's just if you love actors <laughs> and performance, this is it's going to be a joy do you know on, who, all, on all counts. Do you know who the audience is? You just is? sit back and watch actors act brilliantly. If you like stuff like Ocean's Eleven, Absolutely, which you're I gonna, do. You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna love this. Great soundtrack. It's really style, stylistic. Like, um, I, I, I kind of do agree with the story co- complaints a lot of people are making, but I, I didn't go into this for the story. No, <laughs> you know, I went in here for like to have a really good time, and <laughs> like that's what you get. And, and as a guy, like, Richie, this is not Schindler's List, people. <laughs> like, you know, like you know. as a guy, Richie fan, you are, you are getting a guy Richie film, but tongue-in-cheek and applied to the spy genre. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's and I, good I wanted stuff. to know why it was called Uncle and I got I got that explanation. Absolutely. So, yeah. 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 They were a police force. Yeah. <laughs> United code, something. Codenamed Uncle. Yes. <laughs> codenamed Uncle. If you agree or disagree with anything we've had to say on the show today, you can send your feedback to feedback at geekactually.com or you heard all of those uh, competition lines and everything before, so just enter all of that sort of stuff. Guys, it's been two hours. We're going to get ourselves out of here. Mm-hmm. Tell people where they can find out more about you, Jamie. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Good Games Hurstville. Just uh, put it in the search bar. You'll find our group. And I'm constantly updating there about what's going on in the store, what's exciting and new in the world of gaming, and what Lego I've built recently. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you can also find me on Twitter at GG Hurstville, uh, on Instagram at GG Hurstville, on Pinterest at GG Hurstville. Keep keep searching me on social ne- social media networks. You'll find me. Good lord, you've got a Pinterest account, uh, Dave. Well, yeah, I was just thinking, what is Pinterest? <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, um. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Longo, and yeah, that's it. I guess at the moment. Cool. And you can find of me, of course. Everything I do is at geekactually.com or facebook.com. You'll find me in print soon. And you will find Dave Mm. in print soon. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash geekactually is the Facebook page for this page. We also have a Twitter, twitter twitter.com forward slash geekactually. You can follow that. We also have other shows, Podcast Pillow Fort. We are distributing Nerd Corner and we have a comic book show that seems to be up in a puff of smoke at the moment. But it's coming back. (laughs) It will return. (laughs) It shall shall return for volume two. But yes, uh, just go. Is is it an albatross that that, that (laughs) rides? From, no, Albatross no, Phoenix. What flavor is no. it? That's Albatross. <laughs> <laughs> I just shot this Albatross. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
And no, because Phoenix. It, it, like a phoenix, it will rise from the ashes. <laughs> and because it was like phoenix, quote the phoenix nevermore. D twenty three. And because there was so much Star Wars news today, I don't think we cannot go out without having a little bit more of John Williams. So, guys, thank you very much. We'll see you in a week when we do Agent 47. That's for Danya. Bye-bye, all. Ciao.